Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is, huh? Hump day! Good morning, happy hump day. Great to have you with us, Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. That is Michelle, Matthew Rocchio is here. I'm Randy Carriker, and we're with you for the next three hours. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're going to talk to Kevin Eibach. He is the Director of Personnel for the Tampa Bay Rays. He'll join us at the bottom of this hour. And as we do every Wednesday, Michelle, it's Wednesdays with Wayno. Good morning. How are you doing? I am doing well, Randy. Can't wait to talk to Wayno. And Kevin Eibach is now officially a friend of the show. Right. Coming on twice with us. It's great to talk to him again and one of the really really smart minds in baseball i'm fascinated with Mm -hmm. how the tampa bay rays draft and develop and build their organization and it's going to be great to get a little peek behind the curtain from kevin and he'll be in a good mood because the rays came away from last night's game against the cardinals with a 4-2 victory dakota hudson was fantastic again that's four really good starts in a row for him seven innings he allowed one run on two hits struck out six and this is the key michelle he only walked one if dakota hudson can get to a point where he's not walking guys he can be a really dynamic as a matter of fact i think he can be a a three or a two. He doesn't have the number one stuff, but he can be a really good... He could be as effective for you as Jeff Supon was back uh-huh. in the day. And what an X factor he's developed into for this Cardinals rotation because he was one of our guys that had question marks heading into this season. Mm-hmm. He and Miles Michaelis were really our two big question marks, and look at how effective they've both been. It's great. It's amazing what happens when people are healthy. It really is. <laughs> yeah, the healthy Cardinals starting pitchers have not been an issue at all. So the one run that Hudson did allow in seven innings was an Isaiah Paredes sacrifice fly. one nothing raise after seven, but in the eighth with two out, Pinch hitter Lars Newtbar walked. Tyler O'Neill singled for the second time. And Harrison Bader stepped up. Now you look closer. There Little flare out to shallow right. That's a base hit. The game is tied. Newtbar will score. O'Neill to third. Harrison Bader comes through again. We're tied 1-1. And Danny Mac said it. He comes through again. He comes through a lot. I, I kind of think Harrison Bader is underrated. I think he's incredibly underrated. People always want to say, well, he's not giving you a lot offensively. He's an above-average offensive player, Mm -hmm. and he kind of does have the clutch sheet, not to mention that he's the best center fielder defensively in baseball. People always want to shortchange Harrison Bader, but he's been a very, very critical part to this Cardinals' success over the past couple years. So we're tied 1-1, and we go to extra innings. The Cardinals loaded the bases for Newt, who hit a sacrifice fly to make it 2-1. But with the bases loaded and only one out, Tyler O'Neill struck out. Goldie was thrown out at home on a hit by Bader, and it was a 2-1 game. To the bottom of the 10th we go. The Rays put their leadoff hitter on, and Brett Phillips tried to move the runners over. (laughs) And the next gets the bun down. Arenado jump. Oh, and a throw and an 
out. What a play. Nolan Arenado. Holy smokes. He's back to third base. He jumps like Derek Jeter and fires a strike to third. He's ridiculous, Michelle. And that is a play when we try to make comparisons between he and Scott Rowland. Mm-hmm. That's a play that Scott Rowland never makes. I don't know how many people can make that play, One, Randy. one player, person can make that and play. And it's Nolan Arenado. Yeah. And the thing is, is he probably practices stuff like that over and over and over again. It, it's a combination of instincts and athleticism, but unbelievable preparedness from Nolan Arenado. Yeah. Because we know the work that he puts in to be able to finely tune his craft like that. But... I think Danny Mac's call is is great, as always, but you just have to laugh. When someone mm-hmm. like Nolan Arenado can pull off a Jeter jump like that, you kind of just have to laugh because it's so outrageously special. And Arenado told Rick Humley, he said, yeah, no big deal. I do practice that. Yeah, of course. It's unbelievable. No problem. Uh, one guy who saw it and had a really good view was the left fielder, Tyler O'Neill. I mean, that's why he's a prolific gold glover. Um, you know, he's the best there is. Um, and, you know, it's uh, great to get examples like that in clutch moments of the game. And after a moment like that, in a critical moment, and a special moment from Nolan Arenado, in a critical game moment like that, you think the Cardinals have got to win this yep, game. You do. And it could have been huge. Yandy Diaz popped out, two outs. Drew Verhagen gets to within a strike of a victory with rookie shortstop Taylor Walls at the plate. <laughs> and Walls hits a homer to right, a three run blast, and the Rays win it by a score of four to two. And Michelle. I was thinking as I watched things unfold, why isn't Henesis Cabrera into this game? How can you lose this game with Henesis Cabrera not in the game? He threw 58 pitches on Sunday. Every decision that was made for last night at the end of the game, Helsley throwing one, Gallegos throwing one, those were 2 o'clock decisions. And Oliver Marmol said, I'd do it that way again, and I have no problem with the way Oliver Marmol treated it. Looking back... Well, I always say the managers know more than we do, and so he was ready for this. And Verhagen, if he gets one more strike, the Cardinals win the game. So close, so close. And he did give you an extended outing on Sunday night, and you do want to preserve your guys. And we know that a lot of these guys have been covering innings here and there. They have been going a little bit deeper, so you definitely want to make sure that you're not burning out certain guys and burning out your bullpen. And also, I know Ollie is a great communicator with these guys and has a good feel for what they have and what they don't have. And I I know that that's initially what you want to think is why isn't Cabrera in this role, but gosh... Drew Verhagen, you also have a job to do. Mm-hmm. And that that one pitch, you can't leave it up like that. No, and a 155 hitting shortstop beats you. Yeah, no way. Run homer. No way. So tonight, Packy Naughton will go for the Cardinals. He'll be opposed by Corey Kluber, and that game starts at 6-10 St. Louis time. Meanwhile, as the Cardinals fell in Tampa Bay, the Milwaukee Brewers were also in action last night. And... Uh, as you, you might guess would happen, Philadelphia beat the Brewers by a score of 3-2 of all teams. Philadelphia beat the Brewers. Cardinals could be in first place this morning. They were one strike away from being in first place this morning. Isn't that always the story? Yeah. So close, so close. But they have a great opportunity uh, coming up again to handle business versus the Rays. Then you have the Reds and the Pirates on deck. Right. And how about the Phillies, who have all of a sudden had a, a reemergence after Joe Girardi getting fired? A little uh, light maybe under their tails? A yeah. little hot seat for the players? We better step it up. Yeah, I would think that that's probably the case. And that'll be the case in Anaheim, too, where... Michelle, Mike Trout hit 328 with a 1.129 on base plus slugging in his first 39 games. The right fielder, Taylor Ward, hit 375 with nine homers, 23 RBIs in his first 29 games. 
Anthony Rendon returned from hip surgery. He delivered several clutch hits, but Ward slammed into a wall face first on May 15th. Hasn't been the same hitter since. Rendon suffered a right wrist injury placed on the injured list. Trout, 0 for 26. That's a career-long slump for him. Shohei Otani is at 242 with 11 homers and 32 RBIs, including hitting 179 over the last month. And because of all of that, Joe Madden got fired yesterday by the Angels. But do we really think Joe Madden was the problem? I don't think so. I don't think so either. This seems like a uh, a long-burning organizational issue that mm-hmm. maybe needs to be addressed. And Joe Madden is a guy who's been a proven winner. He's a guy that connects well with players. He's a guy that understands what it takes to turn a team around and handle superstar guys. I don't think he's the problem there. I agree with you 100%. But... The fact of the matter is you've got a man, uh, an owner who always likes to be involved. And by the way, according to the story, per, uh, Perry Manazian, their GM, made the decision, called Artie Marino, who signed off on it immediately. And so Phil Nevin takes over as the manager. And Jeff Passan of ESPN thinks this might be it for Madden. I think he wants to manage again. But I, I do wonder if the way that things ended in Chicago with the the Cubs, frankly, not wanting him back even after winning their first World Series in a century. And the way that they ended uh, with the Angels on a 12-game losing streak, uh, this might be the end for him. Joe Madden's not young. He's in his 70s. He's had a really impressive career, and he did something as a manager that a lot of excellent managers have failed to do in their time in Chicago. And one of the things that Joe Madden has to deal with is that there are very few organizations out there, and the Mets have become one, that will hire an older manager that isn't really pliable with the front office. It doesn't do exactly what the front office wants him to do. Well, my first thought anytime a manager gets removed from a situation is Mike Schilt. Mm -hmm. Because he's a guy who's proven that he knows how to win. He's a guy who is a baseball guy through and through who is going to come in. He's going to clean up any sort of dysfunction. He's going to clean up any maybe fundamental erosion that's happening. And now we know behind the scenes, he's not afraid to voice his opinion, Mm -hmm. even if it's to his own detriment. Now, I wonder if that experience changed him a little and he might at least at the outset be a little more deferential to an organization or a front office. But I'm looking at Mike Schultz sitting right there and I'm thinking, this is a guy who knows how to win. And the Angels this past offseason brought over Joey Probinski. He's their director of player development, had been the the game planning coach for Schilt here in St. Louis. They have Chris Carpenter in their organization. He knows Schilt very well. Their owner, Artie Moreno, obviously can make a call to Tony Larusa, who was a consultant with them. He can mm-hmm. make a call to Albert Pujols That's and right. find out what the people in St. Louis say about Mike Schilt. So if they want the information on Mike Schilt in Anaheim, it's readily accessible to them. Randy, there are certain things out there that are just, frankly, sports tragedies. I think the fact that Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl is a sports tragedy. They should have gotten him more of a running game. I think the fact that Mike Trout is buried in Anaheim, and yes, I know it's by his own choosing later in his career when signing that massive deal with them. The fact that Mike Trout is on this team that is so dysfunctional and that cannot get out of its own way and cannot find a way to build around him and get this guy at least to a world to a postseason or to a World Series to get a chance at winning and give the, the country a chance to really absorb his greatness is a sports tragedy. Especially for a guy that grew up a Yankees fan, grew up 
in Pennsylvania or near Philadelphia, New Jersey, Jersey, right? New Jersey, right yeah. near Philly, but grew up a Yankee fan and wanted to play for them, but signed the contract with the Angels before he could get to free agency. Free agency. A guy who, before he could get to free agency and before he signed his contract, came to St. Louis and saw the best fang in baseball uh, for Albert Pujols. He saw what it's like here and had the opportunity. He's been around. He didn't have to sign there. And it's, you're right, it's a tragedy, but it's a true pronged tragedy. And it, hey, it, $440 million, you have to sign the contract. No doubt. And you think at some point they've obviously shown that they appreciate you financially, mm-hmm. that they're not going to make that investment if they're not going to build around you. Yeah. You, I'm sure he would like to think, and I'm, I, and he seems like a guy who likes to be comfortable. He mm-hmm. seems like a guy who doesn't necessarily need to go to New York or a bigger market, even though Anaheim is technically in LA, which is the second biggest market in the country. I, I bet he didn't want to change up what was happening and maybe expose himself to a little bit more pressure and or scrutiny. And maybe he doesn't care about winning. Maybe he's just one of those guys that he just wants to play baseball because he loves it and it's not going to eat him alive at night if he never gets his chance. But it's something I think about all the time. Mm-hmm. I know it's probably well, in his in the back of his mind somewhere that he can't believe that he's in this, oh, this desert, this barren desert that is the Angels. It's sad. I wonder if a, a player, and I don't, I can't imagine that this would happen, but I wonder if a player in a, a top 10 market would ever just get so frustrated with an organization that he would say, you know what, I'm done here. I want to go to St. Louis. I wonder if that would ever happen. I mean, I'm sure Nolan Arenado. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like, yeah, wait, it actually just happened. Uh, It actually just happened a couple seasons ago. But, you know, I I was just, as you were saying that, thinking of Mike Trout, he probably was thinking, oh, look at Shohei Otani's coming here. They hired Joe Madden. He's probably thinking things are going to click into place and I'm going to get my chance here. There, There are a lot of reasons, if you're him, to point to... There's eventually going to be success here. And there just isn't because of the guy who's in charge. It's like James Dolan with the Knicks. Right, same thing. It's the exact same thing. No matter who you bring in, there's always going to be an undercurrent of dysfunction that's going to prohibit you from winning. Meddling owners that don't know what they're doing are the worst thing for a franchise and a fan base. A couple of other things for you. The Lightning knocked off the Rangers last night, 4-1, evening the Eastern Conference Finals in the NHL at two games apiece. And tonight, we have NBA Finals Game 3 for you. It'll be Golden State at Boston, the pregame at 7 right here on 101 ESPN. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. It is hump day, and it is Ask Uncle Randy Day on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well, filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. All right, this is an important time of year. Here we are. It's already June 8th. We're in the midst of summertime and a lot of fun being had out there. And hey, Uncle Randy is here just to tell you to make good choices. But uh, <laughs> you, you can also text in 65780 because sometimes you don't know what the right choice is. So if you want to ask Uncle Randy, feel free to do so today. Sometimes the bad choice is more fun, though. They are. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. And sometimes I'll recommend the bad choice. Yes, you will. <laughs> 
Or at least you'll be honest about yeah. what path you should take. Right. Yeah. From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy, I have two big presents that I want to get my parents. And by my parents, I mean Doug Armstrong and the Blues to get me a gift. Mm-hmm. One is that they re-sign David Perron. The second is that they bring Matthew Kachuk home. Can you please talk to my parents and make that happen? You're the best, Uncle Randy. I'm working on that and we'll hopefully be able to make that happen. I don't think there's any doubt that we'll be able to accomplish the former. I don't know if the latter, bringing Matthew Kachuk home, and he's probably in his home right now as we speak here in St. Louis County. Hey, Matthew. Hey, Matthew. Uh, If it doesn't happen this year, I would think that next year Matthew will will make his way to St. Louis. I think he and his representation have made it somewhat clear that this is where he wants to play hockey. So if that's the case, uh, I, I think that we'll be able to pull that up for you. So that's what I'm here for, yeah. And I am. I'm uh, I'm working the back channels here. Randy's always working hard for you. Just know that. Yeah. Randy's constantly beating the ground. He, he's pun, pounding the pavement. He's getting it done. Where would your surprise level be if David Perron and the Blues did not make it work? Because you know where mine would be? No lie, Randy. It's like Andrew Luck retiring surprised. That's where yeah, I'm at. I would, I would be, be floored. I, I would be stunned. And... This is before he had the great playoff run. But Jeremy Rutherford talked to David Perron late in the season, and it didn't sound like at that point, at least to JR, like David wanted to break the bank. And we know that his kids are here and they love it. His family is here and they love it. His so, weekly hit with Carriker and Smallman. That's huge. That helps him succeed. That's right. So I would be absolutely stunned if this didn't happen. As a matter of fact, and I, I've mentioned this before, if I'm the Blues... I need to open up salary cap space this offseason. And part of that is for David Perron. In my opinion, this is just my opinion, I believe David Perron is a more important part of this organization than Vladimir Tarasenko is. So if I'm going to make that choice and I'm going to open up cap space to sign David Perron and Nick Letty, I'll move Tarasenko before I will not re-sign David Perron. I would say David Perron, in my opinion, is in the top three or four most important pieces on this team. I would say Jordan Bennington. Mm-hmm. I would say Ryan O'Reilly. I would throw Justin Falk in there. Agreed. And I would say David Perron is right. next. I agree. And Falk and Perron are interchangeable to me based on the night. Yep. And by the way, this is this says a lot for where the Blues are. Because Vladimir Tarasenko is a great player. He's one of the top players in the league. But the fact that we can list four people on this team that are more important than him, how many teams in the league could pull that off? Great point. Also, how did, did oh, let me rephrase this. Did we ever expect two years ago that Colton Pareko would not be on that no, list. No. That Colton Pareko would not be top four, that Justin Falk would be yeah. more valuable than Colton Pareko. And that's no disrespect to him, but I just think we all assumed when Alex Petrangelo left that Colton Pareko would be at least one of the three most important people on this team. No question. And he, again, really good serviceable player with an eight-year contract that kicks in next year. But you're right. The four that you listed would, in my opinion, be ahead of Pareko as well. From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, my wife wants to move to Kansas City for no reason other than we've just been in St. Louis too long. We listen to the Character and Smallman podcast when we drive up there this weekend, and she's going to hear your answer. Please advise us, why should we stay in St. Louis? Okay, nothing against Kansas City, because I like a three-day trip to Kansas City. It's a, it's a wonderful weekend. And they've done a good job of actually merging their city and county. That being said, St. Louis is the biggest small town in America. Kansas City is a small town. They all, all of them, wind up at Chiefs games. 
they are not a good baseball town. Now you're listening to a sports show here. They only show up when the team is winning, which is, you know, and, and we only show up when the team is winning, but it always wins. So it's <laughs> it's not a good baseball town. And at the end of the day, if you look at what makes a city great, it's people, it's food, it's restaurants, it's culture. St. Louis is a better place to live. And, and by the way, that's not an affront to Kansas City, which I, th- I think is fantastic. I have no problem with Kansas City, but I'm a St. Louis guy through and through, and I would choose St. Louis over KC. St. Louis has one of the best restaurant scenes in the country. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Look at all of the new restaurants. We have all the James Beard award-winning chefs. You do a barbecue in KC, though. Yeah, you do. And and what's that uh, place? Q36? Mm-hmm. Outstanding. One of the best rib bites of ribs I've ever had mm-hmm. in my life. Actually, their chicken wings are the best chicken wings I've ever really? had in my life. But St. Louis barbecue is right up there with Kansas mm-hmm. City. And in some instances, better. Here's what you need to do. Has your wife ever met a Kansas City Chiefs fan? Because they're all super annoying. All you got to do is get her around a gaggle of Chiefs fans, and she's never going to want to live there. She's not going to want to hang out with those people full time. They're insufferable. They're I would, awful. I would say the play, as you two make your way to Kansas City for the weekend, is if, if she loves it that much, commit to going up there a weekend every month or two. Over there, not up there. And yeah, over? Just drive 70. Where is it? Yeah. West? Yeah, just do west on 70. Just do west, yes. Yeah, and it's an easy drive, so just go over there and have some fun, but continue to live. Is there a zoo free? No, it's not even that great. Uh, Forest Park, greatest public park in the country. Without question. And do they have anything that's comparable? No, the plaza's fine. Who shops outside anymore? We all shop online. You don't even need the plaza. Right, and I don't believe, if I'm not mistaken, that they have anything comparable to the Muni. No, not that I've heard of. So... And it's a great town. When you ever see... Bicycling isn't as good there either. No, definitely not. Whenever, whenever you see big tours, they're always coming through St. Louis. Do they hit Kansas City? Not likely. No. no. Look and, at flights. I bet you have more flight options out of St. Louis than you do KC. Right. And the other... And, and by the way, the Kansas City airport is like forever away from where you would live. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's it takes the Cardinals less time to take a bus there from Bush Stadium to their ballpark than it would to fly into their airport and then drive downtown, and then go to the game. So there are some reasons for you. And again, if all else fails, just hang out with Chiefs fans. Yep. It's about the people. Cardinal, want- Cardinal fans, they're perfect. They're pristine. We are pristine. I just want to unfollow every Chiefs fan I know on social media. Even Brad Barnes? Uh, but he's not you, annoying. You can say it. He's not annoying about it. He was. He has been. Was he? Oh man! You worked with so, him. Well, they just it, they were they were not winners, and then they became winners, and they got drunk on winning, and now all they do is just say like Patrick Mahomes is the greatest thing that's ever happened to sports. Wow! Oh my God! The Chiefs, cheetah, cheetah, cheetah. Even though he's no longer there, it's right. just like relax. One time I'm out playing golf with Barnes, and he says, "Do you think it'll be a huge disappointment if Patrick Mahomes doesn't win five Super Bowls?" He's like, okay, let's pump the brakes a little bit. You got one, one guy with more than five. And you've got another guy with four. Let's pump the brakes and get one first. This was before he had one. And now, kind of like Kurt Warner. You know, Kurt Warner planned on winning five, too. It's really hard to win one. Really hard to win one. Yeah. Um, by the way, it's Q39 is the barbecue okay. place, not Q36. And if you if you don't want to move to Kansas City, don't take her there because the food's really good. So Avoid the, that at all costs. The She'll love it. St. Louis Rams, you'll remember this. They had a return guy, and I believe his name was Quentin Dunbar, 
speaking of Q, his nickname was Q. Okay. And Tony softly, I don't know if he was just playing Homer or if he really wasn't the personnel guy that he was meant, thought to be. But I came in one morning and I said, "There's, I'll bet you $100 that Quentin Dunbar never scores a touchdown on a return in his NFL career. And I think Quentin Dunbar played for like two more weeks and then never even took another return for the rest of his NFL career. But uh, Tony was convinced that this guy that ran this 4-7-40 was going to return a kickoff for a touchdown. From the 314 one. One more quick one here. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, we're, because we're going to get to Kevin Ibo. Oh, okay, there we go. Uh, one more, and I think you'll have a great answer here. From the 314, Darren Corrani, I'm getting invited to a lot of college graduation parties. Most of these people I gave high school gifts to. Do you have to give a gift to someone who graduated college and is about ready to make bank? Uh, yes, and it's easy. It's it's a gift card. Whether it's a Visa gift card or even cash, you don't have to think about this one. If somebody's getting out of college, that's all they need or want is money. So it's either a gift card, a Visa, American Express, MasterCard gift card, or cash. If you go there, you'll be fine. But yes, you do have to give uh, a gift to the graduate. And then they'll repay it at some point when they do start making bank. But nobody right when they get out of college starts making, well, some people do, but very few start making bank right away. So that's my answer. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, Kevin Eibach is the Senior Director of Personnel and Scouting for the Tampa Bay Rays. He joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yesterday on Take It or Leave It, I gave Michelle the Take It or Leave It. The Tampa Bay Rays are the smartest organization in sports. And the reason I gave that to Michelle is because I believe they are. And the Cardinals playing Tampa Bay this week down in Tampa. And we're joined now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line by Kevin Ibeck, the Senior Director of Pro Personnel and Pro Scouting for the Rays. Kevin, good morning. Great to have you with us here in St. Louis again. How are you? Good, Randy. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you uh, bringing me back after uh, talking to y'all a couple years ago. It was a lot of fun. I want to start with this because you grew up in a sports family. Are you a hockey fan? And I, I guess during this time of year, are you always paying attention to the Rays? One eye, or the or the uh, the Lightning as well? I think uh, we've had the good fortune in Tampa Bay the last couple of years to have a lot of good sports teams. So I've been to my fair share of Bucks games and Lightning games, and I, I know the players. Uh, Everyone in the clubhouse, including myself, has been watching uh, the Bolts and excited to see them tie it up last night. Kevin, a lot of people do think that your organization is just smarter than everybody else out there. When you hear Randy say something like that, that the Rays are the smartest organization in sports, what's your re- reaction to that? Uh, it's it's flattering, Michelle, but it's also uh, something that I think the humility sets in. And I think, uh, you know, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows of a 162-game season, there's a lot of examples of when uh, – when I certainly don't go to bed at night feeling the smartest uh, person out there, and I know that extends to the other people in the front office as well. Well, you obviously have had a lot of success uh, in Tampa Bay, and the organization has a very firm ethos in the way that you do things. We're in awe by the way that you guys are able to build teams. Can you describe to us what the organizational philosophy is for scouting and development for uh, the baseball team? Sure. I've had a good fortune for a better part of a decade now of working with the Rays, and I think that I think number one, whether it's with the players, uh, certainly Kevin Cash, our manager, uh, but but definitely with our scouts and our front office, is it's just the culture. Um, I think it's a little cliche, but building trust among uh, everybody, 
um, you know, across departments, uh, on the field, off the field. I think that's that's number one. And, and unless you have that trust in the organization that everybody's kind of pulling towards the same goal here, um, you know, you really have to have that to have a foundation of success. So I think trust for me um, is obviously something that we pride ourselves on. Um, and it allows us, uh, you know, each of us in our own little spheres of, across the organization to uh, to excel and to try to pull our weight and, and, and get us uh, get us to the playoffs every year and, and to try to bring home a trophy. That trust among everybody that you mentioned, I said to Randy before you joined us during the commercial break that it seems to be, it seems as if there's great connectivity between the minor league and major league level. Is that correct? I think so. I, I think in an organization like ours, I know you all have alluded to our, you know, our payroll or lack thereof over the years. And I think we all realize the, the challenges that we face and we know that, um, you know, so to speak, when that pipeline becomes dry, um, it doesn't put us in a good spot in a, in a major league organization. So we've always, uh, since I've been here, again, for over a decade, we've, we've prided ourselves in drafting, trading for, developing players, uh, getting them to the big leagues, and, um, you know, really, you know, the culture of promoting from within and, um, you know, and bringing guys in from the outside that fit into our, you know, into our ecosystem, so to speak, and, um, you know, can, can work towards that culture and, and help us sustain winning. Kevin Ibach, the Senior Director of Pro Personnel and Scouting for the Rays with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And Kevin, I think last year in the playoff series against Boston, you had 18 players from other organizations. And one thing that Mo said after the Rosa Reina postseason in 2020, he said, we have to know our players better than the opposition does. How much emphasis do you have on your scouts taking a look at other organizations, minor leaguers, and maybe finding a, a player like Rosarena that the Cardinals clearly weren't aware of what his upside was? Sure. I think you know, it extends in a lot of different areas. Last year was very unique with how many players we used uh, to get to the postseason and, and the different backgrounds that they came from. We had, we had players on our roster last year that were selling solar panels um, prior to spring training. We, were, <laughs> we had players that were playing uh, independent ball uh, during the pandemic. And we certainly had players that we traded for that we scouted uh, with other organizations. So it's just keeping an open mind um, to what can fit and what can what can help us win, and not really dwelling too much on where those players come from. Um, you know, I think that that leads to success. And I think you always, you know, as I alluded to a few years ago when I talked to you all, you have to give up something to get something. And knowing your players and knowing, you know, what you already have in your system and be, be willing to give up value to, uh, to maybe find a fit that's going to help you win right now um, is something that we pride ourselves on. Kevin, who was selling solar panels before he came to play for the Rays? Uh, that was Lewis Head, who we have uh, once again, as transactional as we are, we moved uh, him this past offseason to the Miami Marlins. So he's a, he's a part of the uh, team on the other side of the state there in their bullpen right now. But uh, yeah, he was out of baseball selling solar panels and, found himself uh, pitching seventh, eighth innings for us throughout the year last year. That's fantastic. (laughs) That's an incredible story. Well, Kevin, the last time we had you on, it was to react to the, uh, how do I describe this? To Randy Rosarena lighting the world on fire, essentially, (laughs) in the postseason. And obviously the famous Randy Rosarena-Matthew Libertor trade between the Rays and um, the Cardinals. You had told us then that the Tampa Bay Rays organization had circled Randy Rosarena's name for a while, that he was someone that you had had your eye on. Can you, for those who may not have heard it in our audience, explain why he was so intriguing to you and then uh, assess what you've seen out of him so far since he's come to Tampa Bay? Sure. You know, obviously what Randy did in the postseason in 2020 speaks for itself and and what the value he's brought to our club over the last few years, um, you know, certainly has uh, been a a welcome addition to our club. But 
Randy's someone that we we had longed uh, to acquire um, from St. Louis, and uh, we fell into the good fortune that St. Louis had a lot of right-handed hitting outfielders, and we were pretty left-handed uh, in the outfield. So it just uh, it was persistence on our part to you know continue discussions and, and talk with the Cardinals to find it to find if there was going to be a fit, whether it was with Randy or one of the other uh, right-handed hitting outfielders there. And I think those discussions over time and. Um, you know, the, the way I always tell people is, you know, trades happen over over a long period of time. Usually you it's discovering the player. It's becoming familiar with that player. Um, but just the discussions themselves, a lot of times you just don't pick up the phone and the deals done by the time you hang up. It's multiple phone calls. It's multiple conversations. And in Randy's case, this, this spanned a few years, um, you know, and, and so ultimately when we were able to acquire him, I think it was a, a great addition for our team. It was a really good fit. Um, because of the the handedness at the plate and what we were looking for. And we had to give up a a pretty good value to get that. We gave up our first-round pick in Libby. And, uh, you know, I know I said at the time that, you know, probably the Cardinals fans weren't as familiar with him uh, being in the minor leagues. But now that he's made his debut and had some success at AAA, I I think that hopefully, uh, you know, the fans in St. Louis can see the the same value that we saw in him when we drafted him in the first round. And Kevin, before that, you traded another left-hander for another right-handed hitting outfielder from the Cardinals when you got Tommy Pham and Henesis Cabrera came to St. Louis. Is Henesis Cabrera now what you expected he would be? I think so. I, I think uh, Tabby was one of those guys during the time that we always were intrigued by the arm strength. He came up through the minor leagues as a starting pitcher. Um, you know, we knew that, you know, with some with some left-handers especially, you'll see guys with uh, – you know, less velocity that are more touch and feel guys that have to make their make their stand as a starting pitcher and be able to eat innings. I think in Tabby's role, we knew that um, you know if there was a fork in the road and he had to go to the bullpen or stay in the rotation, he had the ingredients, he had the arm strength to do both. And uh, that was another one that you know a very talented left hander that we didn't want to give up. Um, but Tommy Pham was a really good fit for us at the time. And again. Uh, not to beat a dead horse, but we were so left-handed that getting that right-handed bat was something that uh, was really important to us at the time. Hey, Kevin, a couple of more things. Number one, whenever you guys sign an injured pitcher, I say he's going to succeed. I, I don't know why it is. and I want you to tell me why you guys can go out and get Michael Walkers and Rich Hills and Corey Kluber pitches tonight. Why is it that the Rays can find these guys that have been injured and resurrect them? Well, I think that, you know, step number one is keeping an open mind and knowing that injuries are going to happen. I mean, it has happened to us certainly a lot this year and in previous years. And knowing that we're going to need all 40 players on the on the 40-man roster and then some uh, just to get through the season. So understanding that, you know, you're not setting expectations so high that we, we go sign to Corey Kluber and need him to throw 200 innings. Um, it's to come in here and, and fit into what we're trying to do. Um, and, and not tax him in a way that's going to cause him to break down. So um, I think that's step number one is just keeping an open mind. And then the credit really goes to, you know, Kyle Snyder, Stan Borowski, our pitching group, um, and then our medical group, Joe Benj and his trainers, um, you know, do a wonderful job of just staying ahead of everything. I think injury is as much prevention as it is, you know, being reactive to, to when an injury occurs. And I think that, you know, a lot of people in our organization from the minor leagues on up uh, do a wonderful job just, um, you know, individualizing the, the process and understanding that every every pitcher, every player is going to have different needs and different methods of training uh, that are going to keep them healthy all year. So not treating everybody, uh, you know, in a cookie cutter way, but, you know, really hyper 
individualizing the process to, to each player we bring in. And Kevin, one final thing. When we look around Major League Baseball, we see James Click in Houston. We see Andrew Friedman and his staff in L.A. We see Heim Bloom and what Boston is doing now. Is there a common denominator that you guys pick up in Tampa that you take other places or that those guys have taken other places? Is, is there a secret sauce, in other words, to the success that the Rays not only have had in Tampa but have taken other franchises? And going back to Andrew Friedman and then, you know, James and Heim and Matt Arnold over in Milwaukee, um, you know, certainly, certainly I, I think the, the core DNA there is, is what I alluded to at the beginning of this conversation. And it's just the open mindedness and the curiosity and blending the science and the art and understanding that there's a lot of different perspectives, um, you know, that goes into player evaluation and, um, you know, looking for looking for different ways and. Uh, you know, to develop players and not sticking to the tried and true method. It's it's be willing to break a few windows um, along the way just to uh, just to see what makes sense and then what fits our organization. And I think bringing that mindset and that curiosity and that open mindedness to their new teams, um, you know, lends itself to success elsewhere. So really happy for for all of those guys that have gone on to uh, bigger and better things in other organizations and, uh, you know, certainly uh, shared a lot of interesting and fun times with them when they were here. Kevin, one of the rules of our show, Carriker and Smallman, is that once a guest appears twice, he's officially a friend of the show. So you're officially a friend of the show here on, uh, on 101 ESPN. We, uh, we appreciate talking to you because you're great. I appreciate that, Randy, Michelle. Uh, next time I'm in St. Louis, I will, uh, I will renew our friendship and maybe stop by in person. Love it. Thank you very much, Kevin. Take care. All right. Take care, guys. See you. Kevin Eibach, he is the Senior Director of Scouting and Personnel for the Tampa Bay Rays, an impressive organization and an impressive guy. Absolutely. Uh, But Randy, now that he's a friend of the show, did we just give... The Tampa Bay Rays victory oh, tonight. May, the character in Smallman Bob. We may have. I didn't even think of <laughs> that. We just inadvertently caused the Cardinals to lose. <laughs> yeah. So, what an impressive organization, though. And he's been there for decades, like he said. And the players that they've acquired over the years, at the price that they've acquired them, is something that nobody else in baseball has been able to accomplish and get to World Series. I mean, Oakland ha- has had success over the years, but the Rays have been to a couple World Series with this plan. It's it is really impressive, and when you think about their financial standing, there's no way that that team should be as successful as they are. But that's one thing that I really appreciate Kevin explaining is the the trust and connectivity that's happening within every facet of the organization. They clearly have one common ideology, and everyone is pulling the rope the same way. There's no conflict, and it makes me think of Mike Schilt and the Cardinals and the philosophical differences, mm-hmm. and. I know that you really do have to have everyone on board with the same thing and pulling the rope the same way for something to work. Um, and, And I wonder if they look at somewhere like Tampa and they see how connected everybody is there. And that's something that they are are preaching here, even though they've had that for a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked to Randy Flores yesterday. They they have it going in different facets of right. the Cardinals as well. But I understand whether it's hitting or whether it's drafting and development, it is difficult when you have conflicting thought processes. And I would think that once you're a pro sports franchise that wins, it's hard for people to subjugate their ego because everybody thinks that they're the reason the team is succeeding, right? Mm-hmm. And so... For a franchise like Tampa Bay, and like he said, four guys, Matt Arnold, Milwaukee, James Click, Houston, Heimblum, Boston, Andrew Friedman, Dodgers, all of those people have gone on to bigger and better things, and 
like you said, there there isn't that inner conflict. They they appear to have an organizational organizational philosophy that everybody's on board with, and they have great depth there. And every team can have depth, but it seems like they do a better job of maximizing the talent with the depth well, that they have. When you can go out and get a guy that was selling solar panels, that's hit, pitching high leverage situations for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to build depth. <laughs> No doubt. (laughs) That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Take it or leave it is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Matthew, do you have a uh, fighter yet? Do you need a fighter? At 8.30? We actually do need a fighter. Thank you very much for yeah, If you oh. want to fight, you can fight yeah. at uh, 8.30. Text in the word fight to 65780. Michelle, yesterday the Lakers introduced Darvin Ham as their new head coach. Yeah. And he, Ham, was asked about whether or not Russell Westbrook has a future with the Lakers. And Ham said, absolutely. He said, he's one of the best players our league has ever seen. I don't know why people continue to tend to write him off. Take it or leave it. It's because Russ has played for five different teams in five different years. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why. Yeah. And has had not had the ultimate success with those teams. No, he's kind of dragged, dragged him down. He's kind of been an anchor for him. Yeah, maybe that's why. Also, by the way, wasn't Russ in the presser staring at him yeah, in the back? Yeah. So what is he going to say? Eh, we're trying to move on from him. <laughs> we wish we could. Russ, earmuffs in the back. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's no way he's going to say anything but that. So, Randy, at the top of the show, we talked about Joe Madden being relieved of his managing duties by the Angels. And we were talking about who could replace him next season. Mike Schilt is a name that was thrown out there. And Joe Madden says that he wants to manage. Whether that whether he does do that is to be seen. But I was looking around last night at different organizations that may or may not have an opening next year. And I circled one. Take it or leave it. Joe Madden is the manager of the Kansas City Royals next season. Ooh. They're in the basement of the AL Central, 17 and 37. When I Googled them last night, here are some headlines. Mike Matheny on the Royal Sunday collapse. It's indescribable. Mike Matheny, having a plan and executing it are two different things. Mike Matheny's bullpen blew a 6-3 lead in a game that ended in an 8-6 defeat. Despite having three very winnable games in a row, the Royals don't get it done. I think they might have worn out the, uh, the welcome with, or he might have worn out the welcome with Kansas City. I could totally see them moving on from him and Joe Madden being the guy. Yeah, I, I think that's a great call. The first team I thought of was the other team that has fired a manager and has an interim because Dave Dombrowski is a win-now guy, and Joe Madden is a guy that he is in his late 60s, 70s. He's a guy you win now with. But if you wanted to develop those young players, and I know that Joe Madden's not in for the long haul, but if you want those guys to be developed in Kansas City, that would be a good play. I actually think Mike Schilt is a better play for the Royals. I agree. But I also think the Royals will look at Joe Madden as the little yeah. Hollywood effect yep. that they'll get more Sell a pub, few tickets, yeah. more headlines. Yeah, it's a sexier hire, it even is. though Mike Schultz has had a lot of success and would be a great fit there. If you're trying to appeal to your fan base, Joe Madden's going to bring in the DJ and he's going to say, <laughs> try not to suck. And he's going to have animals running around. It's going to be 
instant offense for your fans. Right. That'd be a good call. That'd be a, a nice play on the part of the Royals. And I'm with you, and I, I really thought that Mike Matheny was, would succeed at a higher level there. I didn't know if he would win a World Series. But they're really bad, and kind of like what happened here, their young players are actually regressing. Mm. So I would say that he's probably... I know that uh, Dayton Moore, their general manager, likes him, but he's got a, they have a relatively new owner. I would think that Mike is probably on the hot seat there. Matthew, what do we have in the text line? 314 says, take it or leave it. You might have given a bump to the Rays, but Wednesdays with Wayno cancels that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's science. That's yeah. true. Most recent. Yeah. There's no doubt. And Kevin Ibach, definitely friend of the show, has joined mm-hmm. us twice now, so he'll get a character in small and bump. But Wednesdays with Wayno, Adam Wainwright has been... Far more of a friend to the show. Yeah. He's number one on our power rankings when it comes to friends of the show. He really is. Yeah, he wins. Now, Packy is close to being a friend of the show, and if he would come on today's pitching tonight, mm. he could get the bump, and that would put him over the top. Yeah, but coming on this show and not pitching for, like, you know, over a week, that's that's a lot on top of a lot. I just Packy, not... 636, take it or leave it. The dream matchup at McDavid and McKinnon was one of the biggest playoff busts in all of sports. I wouldn't leave that. Man, that hockey was great. Now, it was a sweep. Yes. But the hockey itself, if you watched the games, was really, really fun. And both teams played fast, and McKinnon played well, and McDavid was probably the best player on the ice. I thought it was really cool, even though it was a sweep. I, I thought the the games, it was what they called in the 80s, they, they called it fire wagon hockey, Michelle, mm-hmm. where every team, Grant Fears in the Hall of Fame for winning a bunch of 6-5 games. That's the way it was. And that's the that hockey was awesome. And so, yeah, I don't think it was a bust, even though it was a sweep. I don't think it was a bust. I'm going to take and leave it. It was really fun to see both of them out there, and they're both exceptionally entertaining. But it is kind of a bust when you know that even though the games are fun to watch, that one team does not have a chance to win. <laughs> For a team to make the conference finals with a goalie as bad as Mike Smith was in the playoffs and was all year, pretty remarkable. If if they get a goalie in Edmonton, they're going to be scary. Yes, they will be. Billy Huso. I could definitely see that happening. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. The higher sections at Bush Stadium are the better seats for a day game because the shade eventually covers you. Ooh, I'll take that, especially in a, in July and August. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back in the day when we had the round of stadium, you could get general admission tickets for a dollar. The top seven rows of the entire circumference of the stadium were a dollar. And we would get upper seat, upper row behind home plate. For a buck was awesome. It was great. So, yeah, I'll take it. My favorite part about the old stadium was when you were a kid and you didn't want to, like, sit with your parents the entire game, you could just walk around the top of the stadium for the whole game. It's kind of like, just, like, keep it keep it rolling. That was my favorite part about the old stadium. Now it's all broken up. You can't walk well, around the whole right, thing unless you're on the right, very bottom can't. row. I don't like that, but, God, I miss the old stadium. Speaking of old uh, things in St. Louis, take it or leave it. The Cardinals should have a St. Louis football Cardinals night at the ballpark someday. That'd be fun. That's yeah. a great idea. Our friend Bob Underwood from... Uh, Big Red underscore STL uh, on the on the Twitter machine. He could get in touch with those guys. I think that's a great idea. And here's what you do. You bring up some old audio of Jack Buck calling both kinds of Cardinal games, and you run that through the PA a little bit. You know, get, get like a Jack Buck highlight of a St. Louis football Cardinals. You can have video. You, 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 or you can video, too. Jack. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, that's a great idea. Get yeah. Deardorff and Hart and bring Terry Metcalf and Mel Gray and all the old uh, Big Red alumni that live here in St. Louis. I think that'd be very cool. That'd be fun. I love that. 314, take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill will be traded this year. 
Mm. Okay, if this gives, if, if this is in 2022, I'm going to say, I'm going to take it. In season? No, by the end oh. of December. Okay, by that's, the end of that's December. what I was thinking is when they say this year, I'm thinking in season. Yeah, I don't think that he will be traded during the season. But I could definitely see him what being a, moved during the winter meetings. Hmm. I don't know. What if, what if they need pitching help? This season? Well, you could do it because Brendan Donovan doesn't appear to be going anywhere. That's what I'm thinking. You got... It's musical chairs. You got to find a spot for but some of these guys. I do think that O'Neill needs to reestablish himself as a power hitter. But there's a couple of teams: the Yankees with Giancarlo Stanton on the shelf. the The Giants need corner outfield help. There are multiple. Well, heck, everybody can use a guy that hits 34 home runs. Well, I was just going to say, and how many teams would think, "Oh, we can get him." For um, maybe a bit of count because he this season hasn't performed, but look at what he did last year. Look at what we project him to be. Yeah, the, the Cardinals just have a, sur- a surplus of talent. It's not that he's not going to perform for us. Right. And one other note: take it or leave it. The Cardinals have to get another back end of the bullpen guy if they're going to succeed this year. Take it. Last night was a definition of that, wasn't it? Yeah. Now, listen, I'm not advocating for moving on from Tyler O'Neill. No, no. I'm 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 a fan. Yep. But you have a guy that uh, is sitting at Memphis, Alec Burleson, another high draft pick with a 923 OPS, 12 homers, 43 RBIs. He's hitting 319 down there. He can run. He's a really good defensive player and he's on his way at the age of 23. Jordan Walker has to play the outfield. He's not playing first, he's not playing third. So if you're going to get Jordan Walker in, Carlson's probably going to be here. I would think we're still at the cold, dead hand stage with with Carlson. Bader has to be your center fielder. He's got the contract. So you've got Burleson on the way. You've got Walker on the way. You, you've got too and Donovan. You've got too many guys and not enough spots. Too much. Too much talent. Too too good. Didn't the Dodgers like pretty much like run two different lineups out just like every other mm-hmm. day yeah. for like last season? Can't, yeah. can't 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 the Cardinals figure out how to you know play that kind of depth? Yeah, you can. You can, but you have really good young players. That's the difference with the Dodgers. They had a, 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 a kind of an older group. But, yeah, you could yeah. do that. You just need to have versatile players, no doubt about it. Thank you, yeah, Matthew. I think they do. Yeah, they do. Thank you, Randy. That's Matthew. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we have something that is going to make Michelle throw up in her mouth a little bit. Oh, it's gosh. Next. Yeah, I'm 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. Eight oh nine in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Word this morning that the Denver Broncos, who have been for sale for some time, have been auctioned for four point six five billion dollars. Michelle, is that to, all? Yeah, the that is pretty much double the highest that's ever been paid for a, a pro sports franchise, and the people that are getting it can afford it. The group is headed by Walmart Air. And the cousin of Ann Walton Cronkey, Rob Walton. Ugh. <laughs> Great. 
<laughs> More Walmart people running professional sports it's franchises. Great, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I'm sure he and Stan are going to have a lot to talk about at the family get-togethers. Yeah. So $4.6 billion, the highest ever paid for an NFL team, was in 2018. The Carolina Panthers were sold to David Tepper for $2.3 billion. That's the last NFL team sold. Last NFL team sold was three years ago for $2.3 billion. Three years later, this team has sold for more than double that, $4.65 billion. It's it's. it's- Incredible. It's the largest sale of a professional sports team in American history. You mentioned the last NFL team. The previous record was in 2020 when Steve Cohen bought the Mets $2.4 billion. Mm-hmm. $2.4 billion, and it's double what Tepper paid for the Panthers and double what Cohen paid just two years ago for the Mets. And that's in the biggest market in America. Right. So I guess, first of all, Walmart is doing okay. Yeah, I think they're. Well, the family I don't shop there, so I don't know. I so don't I don't either. know how they're doing. I, I see a lot of pictures of their patrons online. I do, I do too. Yeah. So I you think would think that it wasn't Twitter doing well page. based on what I'm seeing online, but well, I guess they're doing. I guess they're thriving. Yeah, they're, as a matter of fact, they're thriving to the point where the family that Rob Walton and Ann Walton and uh, Walton's daughter Carrie Walton Penner, who's part of this purchase group, that family has more American wealth than the bottom 40% of America. So the Walton family has more money in their bank accounts than the bottom 40% of the 330 million Americans. That's disgusting. Isn't that unbelievable? (laughs) That's, wow. So the 77-year-old Rob Walton will obviously be under the scrutiny of NFL owners. The sale agreement subject to review by the NFL's finance committee and must be approved by a full vote of NFL owners. I wonder if Kroenke votes for him. 24 yes votes are needed to be approved. The reason I ask this, and by the way, $4.65 billion is, is going to get it done, and the fact that he has more than 40% of Americans, or his family does, is going to get it done. When Stan Kroenke bought what was then the Pepsi Center and the Avalanche and the Nuggets... He did so after Bill Lowry had entered into an agreement to buy the franchises, and then the group that owned it, Liberty Media, owned the franchises in the building, and they said, this isn't enough. So they said to Lowry, we need more money. Lowry said, no, I'm out. And Stan Kroenke swoops in, and I think he buys him for $700 million. And legend has it that literally at the next Thanksgiving dinner that the two were at, Stan pounded the table and said, that's how you close a deal oh, to Bill Laurie. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what you're telling me is there's going to be some family beef here between these two. I would think that there might be. Although Rob Walton did get the deal done. But he's only a cousin of Ann, so I would think it'll be a friendly competition. And $4.6 billion, it's going to go off without a hitch. The NFL is yeah. going to readily accept him because they want that money. That's <laughs> what they're all about. Yes. Uh, now, whether he's going to actually be a good owner is TBD, mm-hmm. but you know that he's got the money to do whatever he wants. I will say this for the National Football League. It's a monster. It's So if you look at the pharmaceutical industry, if you look at some of the, the big money industries in our country, and the, by the way, the pharmaceutical industry is a steamroller as well, and they have all the lobbyists in Washington. But the NFL is as big a monster economically as any other economic entity in our country. Bigger than Walmart? I would say they, they're they right there. <laughs> Bigger with than them. Amazon? Well, there you go. That's, that's a monster. 
But in terms of just a, a group of guys that kind of run the show, that, and Amazon does too. Bezos, congratulations to him. But I'll say as big. I'll say if if all of those groups are under scrutiny by the federal government, they all have the same reaction. They just kind of wave them off and say, you know what, we're good. I would put Amazon, Apple, and the NFL as the three things Americans really can't live without that dominate yeah. us. If your iPhone goes out, you're you're, screw- yeah, you're, you're, fr- you're panicked. You're freaking out. Yep. You're going to give your credit card and say, do whatever it needs to be done. I'll charge it, whatever. The, if the NFL was not available to Americans, they would freak out. We are addicted to the NFL, the way we're addicted to our iPhones, the way we're addicted to, to the convenience of Amazon. It's, it's become... Yep. A very important part of our society the NFL has and it doesn't matter what they do it doesn't matter how many times they show that they're not trustworthy or good people and that they don't care mm-hmm. about the consumer they don't care about the fans right they don't right. care about you at all it doesn't matter we're yeah. going we're, I'm gonna look up at the TV right now and oh it's talking about Aaron Rodgers reporting to minicamp there you go oh it's they're talking about the Bronco we're going to constantly talk about it we're addicted yeah one other note from me and that is that we can buy stock for Amazon we can buy stock for Apple there are 32 NFL owners and it's an it's probably I would say the most exclusive group in the country and if the the group of NFL owners now they aren't all exceptionally bright right because a lot of them inherited the, these franchises but in terms of being able to control the narrative of our country on a fall Sunday or Monday or fall weekday those are the 32 that are doing it those are the guys that are that everybody is interested in their product during the fall. How about a Wednesday in June? How many people (laughs) are doing our job and they're talking about Aaron Rodgers reporting. They're talking about the Aaron Donald deal. They're talking about the latest with Deshaun Watson. We're in the throes of the NBA finals, the Stanley Cup final and baseball season. And guess what's leading a lot of shows today? It's what's going on in the NFL. I I loved your reaction, your disgust. Okay, that's what I I loved it right there. They own... Now, the Walmart family, because I'm throwing Stan Kroenke into that yeah, mix. He's, a, he's I, part of it. I know that he does his own thing, but his success is tied to the mm-hmm. success of Walmart. They basically own the state of Colorado when yeah, it comes do. to sports franchises now. He's got the Rams. He's got Arsenal. I mean, they're just continuing. By, by the way, if you are a billionaire, buying a professional sports team is one of the best investments that you can make. Stan You're Kroenke, going to make money hand over fist. Kroenke has less than a billion dollars in the Rams. It's like... Might be less than it, probably right around half a billion, probably five hundred million for a franchise now that's worth upwards of five billion. Does that include the stadium? Stadium debt is tremendous, but the reason that the franchise is worth so much is because of the stadium. Mm-hmm. So if he sold the state, the the team and the stadium tomorrow, he could probably break even. And if he hangs on to it, I'll just continue to make continue money. Continue to, to grow. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Next up, might the Blues be in too much, or might we as Blues fans be in too much of a rush to deal Vladimir Tarasenko? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Blue center, Tarasenko. He scores! Vladimir Tarasenko! Barbashev, back to Tarasenko. 
shoots, he scores! Vladdy has two! It's 4-2, St. Louis! Virgin keeps it in, and a nice play. Tarasenko to the empty net! He scores! And if you've got a hat, chuck it at your radio! A third-period hat-trick for the Blues by Vladimir Tarasenko! Vladimir Tarasenko had a great first-round playoff series for the Blues. He had a great season, led the club in goals with 34, points with 82 in 75 games. First Blues player since Pavel Dimitra back 20 years earlier that had had an 82-point season. That being said, Michelle, Doug Armstrong is not one to let assets walk away for nothing unless he has kept them in the pursuit of a Stanley Cup. David Backus was allowed to enter free agency because the Blues were pursuing the Stanley Cup in 2016. The Blues allowed Alex Petrangelo to enter free agency after the 2020 season because they were in search of their second consecutive Stanley Cup. Right now, the Blues are not trying to defend a Stanley Cup. And when you look at the M.O. of Doug Armstrong, whether it was moving Kevin Shattenkirk or moving uh, 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 Paul Stastny over the years, he, he's not a guy that lets a player go into his final season or free agency without having him signed. So I believe there's only two things for the Blues to do in terms of Vladimir Tarasenko. One, give him an extension. Or two, trade him. I don't believe Tarasenko gets into the off or into the regular season without one of those two things happening, being traded or signing a contract. It's just not in... Doug Armstrong's DNA to allow that to happen. Vladdy will turn 31 in December. Obviously, he asked for a trade last year. And so I think from a cap standpoint, the cap is going to stay flat again next year. The Blues are going to be docked because of the Tyler Bozak contract, a million dollars. So essentially, their their cap will be $80.5 million. I would be really surprised if they would go into next season with... Vladimir Tarasenko on their roster, because I do believe that David Perron is a higher priority than having Vladimir Tarasenko. We love David Perron on this show. This is well documented. Most people driving around listening, they love David Perron. They want David Perron to come back. But a lot of the things that we say about David Perron and why he's so valuable to the Blues, Randy, also applies to Vladimir Tarasenko. And I know that the reports were out there last year that he wanted to move on. How many of us have ever been frustrated with our jobs or our circumstances and have said, I'm done with this place. I want to move on. I want to quit my job. What else is out there? Think about what was happening for Vladimir Tarasenko at that time. He was coming off yet another rehab of an injury that had stymied his career. Mm -hmm. He was very frustrated and he was thinking that maybe the medical treatment he had gotten from the Blues was something that was contributing to that. He didn't know if he was ever going to be the version of himself that he had been before, which had been very productive for the St. Louis Blues. Mm -hmm. Think about human nature. Of course you're going to be frustrated in that moment. Of course you're thinking, maybe I should go somewhere else and I'll be more appreciated. I I didn't get the C. If this was you at your job and you didn't get a promotion and maybe you felt that some things were happening internally that were prohibiting you from succeeding and you wanted to to leave, it might not be that you don't appreciate or love your situation. It's that it's human nature. Mm-hmm. We all at some point have done something like that. So I kind of throw that out the window, especially with the level of professionalism and production that Vladimir Tarasenko brought to the Blues this year. And I know we're looking at the numbers puzzle, and we all have our eyes set on the horizon in Matthew Kachuk. How are we going to move money around in order to bring in Matthew Kachuk? 
But Randy, I don't know if moving on from Vladimir Tarasenko is the right move for the St. Louis Blues. As you mentioned, he led the team in points with 82 this season. He had 34 goals. He's had one, two, three, four, five, six 30-plus goal seasons for the St. Louis Blues. He's been one of the best Blues we've seen from an offensive standpoint in Blues history. He is in the record books as a St. Louis Blue. As you mentioned, he's only 30 years old. The things that we say about the production of David Perron, David Perron's 34. We love David Perron, but he's three years older, going to be four years older than Vladdy entering this season. Why are we so quick to get rid of one of the best Blues we've seen in a couple decades? I think that Doug Armstrong always knows when to move on from a player, but just because Vladdy's had some injuries and because he may have mentioned that at one point he wanted to go somewhere else, I think it might be a mistake to let go of number 91. Okay, so right now, according to Cap Friendly, the Blues have $9 million in cap space to use for next year. David Perron, $4 million would reduce that to five. If you sign, re-sign Nick Letty, who, by the way, made five and a half last year, if you could get Nick Letty for five, that would be nine right there. That's before you give Nico Mikola a raise, who's... He's probably going to go up to $2 million, and you have to have a backup goalie. Even Lindgren is going to make a million dollars. So that puts you over, and that puts people like uh, Perunovic is a restricted free agent. You'd probably have to move on from him. You'd like to move on from Marco Scandella, but I don't know what the market is going to be for Scandella. And perhaps you trade a guy like Barbashev, who's due 2.8 next year. You're, if you keep Vladimir Tarasenko around, you have two things to concern yourself with. How do you build your roster for 22-23? And then the other thing is, if he departs as a free agent after 23 and you get nothing back for him, you're almost beholden to go out and spend the 9 or $10 million on Matthew Kachuk after next season when he becomes an unrestricted free agent. We just always think that Matthew Kachuk is an absolute. It's how are we going to get him here? He's from St. Louis. He's expressed interest in coming here. He would be a great blue. He would. But what if he's not the correct solution? He's not taking a pay cut to come here, and he made $9 million. He's not taking a pay cut. And you're so quick to look at the next thing because we do have a lot of affinity for Matthew Kachuk and he is a great player and would be so fun to watch him come to the St. Louis Blues. He'd be great for the Blues. But why are we so quick to dismiss the guy that we have in house? The guy that has shown you that when healthy, he can be the guy for you. Mm -hmm. And I think we have a little bit of recency bias. We always look at the last thing we saw. We look at the last series versus the Avalanche and David Perron was the shining star. Other than mm-hmm. Jordan Bennington before he got knocked out. David Perron was the guy for the Blues and Ryan O'Reilly in that series. So, of course, coming off of that and coming off of the postseason, we're saying David Perron is a priority in addition to everything else we know about him. But if Vladimir Tarasenko had the series versus the Wild that he had versus the Avalanche, do you think we would be talking about him differently? Yes. Do, I do, too. I do, yeah. too. And when you think about the season in totality that he provided you mm-hmm. now that he's healthy again, plus what he did in the first round of the playoffs, this is a guy that can take over a game for you. He's one of the stars in the league. And it just blows my mind that we are so quick to pull the plug on him. And I'm not even looking at the performance. I'm just looking at the logistics of building a franchise because he he's so good that you don't want to let him get away for nothing after next year. But if you re-sign him, you have to sign him for five years. And one thing that Army has not done, whether it was with Bacchus or Petro or keeping Stastny around, he hasn't signed guys on the other side of 30 for to term. He hasn't given them 
five-year contracts. Now, he made the offer to Petro, and Petro's got a lot of gas left in the tank, but it's a different position, and he didn't have the injury history of Vladdy. But Ryan O'Reilly is a UFA after next year, too, making the exact same amount of money. In my opinion, if you're going to sign Vladdy to a five-year extension, you have to sign O'Reilly to at least the exact same contract. Yeah, you're not going to let Ryan O'Reilly walk. And are you? do you want to have two guys that go through their age 36, into their age 36 season, signed for that amount of money, taking up that much cap space when you get three, four, five years down the road? That doesn't seem like it's Doug Armstrong's MO. Doesn't seem like that's no. a play that he's going to make. However, I do wonder if after expressing his desire to to see what else is out there and not getting the response that he wanted. If that makes Vladimir Tarasenko a little bit more likely to want to make something work with the St. Louis Blues and maybe, I'm not saying take a massive hometown discount, but maybe be a little bit more in the compromising space. If you And granted, the, the year that he had changed everything, but if you don't get a wake-up call when you aren't selected in an expansion draft, then I don't know what's going to wake you up in terms of the economics of the sport. Yeah, when the Kraken say no. Right, because one thing that he'll be gambling on, too, the Blues would be gambling if they didn't sign him. But if he doesn't sign, if the Blues offer an extension and he doesn't take it, what if he has another shoulder injury next year at the age of 31 and he he doesn't have a contract? Then what happens? So both sides have some... There's it's risk. a gamble for both sides. There's risk on yeah, both no sides. Doubt. Absolutely. But I think if you're Vladimir Tarasenko, that is a wake-up call to you. Yeah. Not only that the desire for you wasn't what you expected, and we know that his market value will have increased mm-hmm. after after he's proven he's healthy and he's had a productive season. However, you're coming into your age 31 season. You're looking around the league. Even if you wanted to get out, you're you're looking retroactively. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, And you're thinking, look at the season that Seattle had. Yes, I would have gotten out of here, but I wouldn't have been in the playoffs. I wouldn't have been in a position to win a Stanley Cup. You realize sometimes that you dodged a bullet and you're lucky that what you wanted didn't happen. And I think as you're entering your, your year 31 season, money's important, respect, feeling wanted is important. It's also important to win. It's also right. important to put yourself in a position to further your legacy and and have the best chance to win. And he knows he's going to get that with the Blues. Also important for us to note, and all of us that are Blues fans to note, that like Nolan Arenado with the Rockies, Vladdy has all the power because he's got the no-trade clause. Yes, he so does. even if the Blues want to move him to Detroit for a first and a second round pick, he might not want to go there. So he's the guy that has the the hammer in this situation. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. The fight is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Let's fight. 840 in St. Louis. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It is time for the fight on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Let's bring in Randy's challenger today. Gabe is going to be taking on Megamind. Hi, Gabe. How are you? Hey, Michelle. Great to talk with you guys. How are you guys today? We're doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. Gabe, tell us what you do. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I am in the pest control industry. 
And so our, this 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 is the busiest part of our year. So Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturdays, it is absolute chaos. Oh my gosh, I'm sure. Gabe, tell me about the most difficult and or um, disgusting job you've had. Uh, by far in the pest control line of industry, uh, it is by far usually bed bug services. Oh, bed bugs. Oh, Gabe. That's, ugh. You know I what? wish that on anybody. And <laughs> Neither do I. But thank you for your service because we need yeah. people like you to eradicate the bed bugs. So we appreciate yeah. you. All right. Are you ready yeah. to take on Randy? Let's give it a shot. Listen, if you can handle bed bugs, you can handle Megamind for sure. I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. Good luck to you, Gabe. Question number right. one. No matter who wins the Eastern Conference Finals... Canada's Stanley Cup drought was pushed 29 straight years since the 1993 Montreal Canadiens won. What Western Conference team did they beat to win that title? Was it the Colorado Avalanche, the Los Angeles Kings, or the Detroit Red Wings? The LA Kings. On Monday, Michael Waka pitched a complete game, two-hit shutout for the Boston Red Sox. Just the second complete game shutout of his career. Good for him for jumping back in. Yeah, shout out to Waka. In which year with the Cardinals did Waka record his first and only other complete game shutout? Was that in 2017, 2015, or 2013? I'm going to say 2013. Gabe, what future Major League Baseball Hall of Famer was optioned by the Dodgers to make space for the debut of Sandy Koufax? Was it Tommy Lasorda, Jackie Robinson, or Pee Wee Reese? Oh, uh, I'm going to have to go with the oddball, Pee Wee Reese. And on this day in 1989, former Pirate and team broadcaster Jim Rooker threatened and later followed through with this action after the Pirates blew a first-inning 11-0 lead to the Phillies. Did he quit his job as a broadcaster? Did he fight the manager? Or did he walk the 300 miles from Pittsburgh back to Philadelphia? Let's go option two. Fought the manager? Yes, fought the manager. You got it. Have confirmed the score. Waving in Randy, and I'm I was and I can't say it now because Randy's <laughs> in the studio. But that third option, of course, I'm thinking of the song. Yeah, of course. No, it's a different. It's a different length, but yeah, length. But yeah, you got to yeah, think about it's it. It's in my head and will be all day. Randy, say good morning to Gabe. And just so you know, Gabe works in pest control. And I asked him what his toughest job was, and he said eradicating bed bugs. Oh man, Gabe! <laughs> I don't want to hear that. You know what I really hate is the stink bugs in my house. They show up at this time of year, and you see one, you know, on a wall or something. I'm always charged with either uh, throwing it out and saying, have a nice day, or throwing it in the toilet and saying, have a nice swim. Okay. Yeah. Now that we're on this subject, the ticks are crazy this year. Pulled Mm -hmm. a tick off my dog. Very traumatic. What's the point of ticks? Why have we as a society not just completely eradicated ticks? Gabe? Gabe, can you tell us? Uh, that that would be just like why haven't we been able to eradicate mosquitoes, termites, etc. Thank you. Just for them. Okay. They, they endure, yeah, unfortunately. They really do. Randy, are you ready to take on Gabe? I guess I'm ready, yes. Okay, question number one. Who, okay, <clears throat> let me start over. Okay. <clears throat> no matter who wins the Eastern Conference Final, Canada's Stanley Cup drought was pushed to 29 straight years wow. since the 1993 Montreal Canadiens won. What Western Conference team did they beat to win that title? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that they beat Wayne Gretzky in the Kings. And Marty McSorley used an illegal stick. Jacques Demers knew about it, called him on it. Big penalty, big power play, big Montreal goal that allowed them to beat the Kings. 
On Monday, Michael Walker pitched a complete game two-hit shutout for the Boston Red Sox, just the second complete game shutout of his career. In which year with the Cardinals did Michael Walker record his first and only other complete game shutout? Ooh, complete game shutout. CG shut piece. Okay, so I'm thinking that it might have been the near no-hitter against Washington in 2013. Uh, lost it after eight and a third or eight and two. I think he lost it after eight and two thirds. I think it was a shutout. I don't think Ryan Zimmerman hit a home run in that game. I am going to go with 2013. Can't believe he's been around for nine years. But shout out to him yeah. for coming back. Yeah, Complete props. game two at shutout for the Red Sox. Yeah. Never thought we'd see that from Michael Walker. No, again. me either. Thrilled for him. What future Major League Baseball Hall of Famer was optioned by the Dodgers to make space for the debut of Sandy Koufax? A future Hall of Famer, but not a future Hall of Fame player, I'm guessing. I'm <laughs> guessing it might have been Tom Lasorda. On this day in 1989, former Pirate and team broadcaster Jim Rooker threatened and later followed through with this action after the Pirates blew a first-inning 11-0 lead to the Phillies. He walked home from Philadelphia. Matt just rang the bell. (laughs) The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Oh. Just win, baby. There you go. I am the champion. Take a guess here. I am number one. There you go. You happy? I am, but Gabe's not because you beat him three to one and then you stunted on him. That's okay. Three to one is not a big deal. (laughs) You know what? It's the most dangerous lead in sports, Gabe. You'd get him next time. That's for sure. It's all good. Gabe, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. And thanks for taking care of all those pests. We appreciate you. Definitely. Have a great day. Have a great day. Is he going to have a great day, though? He's got to go battle bed bugs. He is saving America by killing bugs. He is. So we appreciate that. I hope Gabe gets a raise for what he does. Me too. And I hope I never have to see him at my house. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) That is not somebody you want to have to call. No. Even though Gabe seems like a lovely person. So the Stanley Cup drought, 29 straight years since Canada has had a Stanley Cup. Too long. They should be ashamed. They got all the players. You're Canada. What else are you doing if you're not winning the Stanley Cup? Curling. Winning gold in curling. I don't know. They win gold medals in the Olympics and stuff, right? 29 straight years since 93. Montreal Canadiens won then. They beat the Los Angeles Kings. Doesn't bother me. We beat Winnipeg to get to the second round. So Yeah. Doesn't bother me one bit, one iota. Same. (laughs) But I'm just saying, it probably bothers them. Yeah, tough, Canada. Yeah, the Toronto people are not very happy. If you ever get in a beef with a Canadian, which I don't know why you would because they're so pleasant. all All you have to say is, hey. You know what? 29 years. 29 years, buddy. So one time I was at a Rams tailgate and we were playing the Chiefs. We were the Rams then. And <laughs> I was I, I was with, joking around with my friends and we had some Chiefs people walking by. And this, this is old school Chiefs people. And I said, just watch this. And I didn't know what the reaction would be. And so, so I just went out into the... We tailgated right across the street from the dome. And I went out near the sidewalk and I said, Lynn Elliott. And these four people just started yelling every expletive in the book. Blank you, blank. Because Lynn Elliott missed three field goals in a playoff loss to the Colts. So that's 
all I needed to do to trigger them was go, Lynn Elliott. And man, they went bananas. I had no idea what the reaction would be. It was great. That's when you wish that there were cell phones around so you could have recorded that. Right, But you're telling me that that's the same thing as yelling 29 years to a Canadian. Exactly. Yeah, Chiefs fan, if you feel like it uh, and, and don't hold back if you have a a visceral reaction to me yelling lynn elliott feel free to text 65780 here's our triggers in st louis stan Kroenke, big poppy and don denkinger don denkinger steve eiserman yeah it is painful yeah it is Uh, we've got some triggers here that's for sure uh michael walk on monday he pitched a complete game two hit shutout for the red sox congrats to him it was the second complete game shutout of his career He did it in 2017 with the Cardinals. It was on July 18th, 2017 versus the Mets. That was his only other complete game shutout. That was my second choice. I was going to say 2017. I guess he got taken out in the game against Washington. Is that right? What happened? Yes, according to Matt, yes. Now the future baseball Hall of Famer that was optioned by the Dodgers to make space for Sandy Koufax's debut was Tommy Lasorda. And on this day in 1989, former Pirate and team broadcaster Jim Brooker threatened and later later followed through walking 300 miles from Pittsburgh to Philly after the Pirates blew a first-inning 11-0 lead to the Phillies. He would walk 300 miles, he'd walk 300 more. Pretty awesome. I love it too because they, they they like really pumped it up. They came back at the end of the season, did this whole like big charity, raised a bunch of like money yep. for a good cause, and that's how they they did the whole walking back from Philly. That's that's a fantastic way to do it. It is. By the way, we get uh, somebody who is triggered here in St. Louis by Adam Vinatieri. Oh. Um, but you know what? That was just that was us. But wouldn't you be more triggered by Belichick? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's Vinatieri didn't cheat. Spygate. Yeah. So it's funny that uh, the, the the fans in Miami now, it's going to be a dual meeting, meaning when the Patriots come to town and they're yelling, Cheetah! Because they're going to have both Belichick and the Cheetah, right? That's true. You don't know which, which person they're talking about. No. Coming up next, hey Mo, we know you're listening. You better explain yourself. It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. There's a shot, another one. A long drive back into deep left, and this one is gone. A 2-0 pitch. Rosarena hits his second home run of the night. Patrick Wisdom swings and crushes one. Left field. Way back. Happy birthday, Patrick Wisdom. Wow. A no-doubter. That ball is ripped to right. Is it fair? Yes, it is. And we are tied. What a moment for Nick Plummer. 2-2. And Alonzo chases the slider. Another new career high for Sandy Alcantara. One ball, two strikes. He struck him out. 14 strikeouts for Sandy Alcantara. So, Michelle, even though the Cardinals are on pace to win more than 90 games and make the playoffs, aren't you a little bit bummed that the Cardinals have had so many players in their system that are succeeding for other teams? Nick Plummer becomes the first Met ever to hit home runs in each of his first two starts. The Cardinals released him after his six-year run in the Cardinal system. Randy Rosarena, reigning American League Rookie of the Year. Patrick Wisdom, he has as many home runs as 
Nolan Arenado does, playing third base for the Cubs. Zach Gallen is pitching well for the Diamondbacks, Sandy Alcantara. The, the list goes on and on. I'm kind of tired of it. No, I'm not. <laughs> and here's why. I understand your point, and there are a lot of former Cardinals that are having success elsewhere. But guess what? In order to, par- or par- by parting with a lot of those prospects, you got guys like Nolan Arenado. You got guys like Paul, Paul Goldschmidt. The reason that you're having success is because of the prospects that you were able to deal in order to bring established pieces to your team. And guess what? We have a new wave of young talent that the Cardinals have already fostered and developed that are coming up and making an impact on the team. We have so much talent on the Cardinals right now that we're talking about guys like Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson having to fight for playing time. When they they are healthy, we before Tyler O'Neill's return last night, we were wondering how much playing time he might get because of the likes of Brendan Donovan. Juan Yepes has come in and been really impressive. We've been banging the the drum for Nolan Gorman, and he's come up and shown a little bit of what he can do. That's the thing about the Cardinals is. They're going to have players that they let go of that have success elsewhere, but it doesn't sting as badly when you get something strong back for them and you have a new crop of guys to cheer for. You're right. You're 100% right. Here's another point. On the Cardinals' active roster right now, we can complain about guys that the Cardinals drafted and developed and let get away who are really good. Cardinals have 16 players that were brought into the organization and developed by the Cardinals. That's more than any other team in Major League Baseball. They have more homegrown players than any other team, despite the fact that Plummer and Rosarena and Wisdom and Gallinel and Alcantara and uh, Marco Gonzalez and uh, others are, are playing well for other teams. Cardinals are just good at scouting. They're they're good at developing players. And the fact that they can go out and they can trade for a Goldie, they can trade for an Arenado, they can even kind of waste one on Marcelo Zuna and still be on pace for more than 90 wins in a playoff spot. It's pretty good. And we say waste one on Marcelo Zuna because he wasn't consistently the guy yeah. that the Cardinals expected. But when you think about the situation at the time, that was a need that they had to fill. If they and- don't make that trade then Cardinal Nation would have gone bananas. If they would have started that season without making a deal, the start of the 2017 season, Cardinal Nation would have been absolutely apoplectic. And remember, they tried to go after Stanton. They tried, right. I, I don't know if they were in on Gelch, but they were trying for other people before they settled on Ozuna. So it's interesting. I, I heard this a couple of weeks ago. If Stanton would have agreed to come here, Cardinals were ready to take on the whole contract. Mm. They wouldn't have had to give up Alcantara in the deal. Really? Because they were taking the the Yankees, the the Marlins had to pay a bunch to the Yankees to get them to take it. But obviously, he didn't want to come here, even though the deal was done. It would not have included El Contra. And the Cardinals were pounding, trying to chip away at them for Yelich. And they said, "Nope, Yelich is the guy we're going to build around. We're we're keeping Yelich. He's not available." So they go out and get a guy that had won a Gold Glove and a Silver Slugger the year before. Ozuna had hit three twenty four, thirty seven homers, one hundred and twenty RBI, something like that the year before, and everybody in baseball thought the Cardinals had made a really good deal. And then the Brewers wind up offering, I believe, the number two prospect in baseball, Lewis Brinson, and then a second baseman who was in the top 15, plus two of their other top 20 prospects, and that's how they wound up with Yelich. And Yelich made it pretty clear that he wanted out after all the people that had departed Miami. And isn't that the mindset that they didn't want to, they weren't going to trade Yelich until after it had gotten to the point where they'd already moved Stanton and Ozuna, and so was Yelich even on the table when they were discussing no, it? He, he you wasn't. can't really hold it against the Cardinals right. for that one. No, Yelich forced his way out after they had gotten rid of, ironically, Stanton yeah. and Ozuna. 
And when you bring up that deal, that's the one I think that stings her Cardinals fans is Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. Because of the success he's had, he would be filthy here in St. Louis. But you know what? If we still had Alcantara, I would rather have what the Cardinals have now than Alcantara and Stanton. So would I. You know, Stanton's yeah. had back-to-back years where he played less than 30 games combined. A lot of injuries. Yeah. But think about how many organizations would have been derailed by any of these things. Albert Pujols mm-hmm. leaving after a World Series, one of the, the greatest baseball players in history. A lot of teams would completely crumble after that. The death of Oscar Tavares. He was supposed to be a foundational piece for the Cardinals. And they did have, uh, there was a lot of recalibration that had to happen with the outfield for many years. And that would have completely sunk a lot of organizations. But the Cardinals were able to have success. Think about, I'm trying to think of another one, the injury to Adam Wainwright. That's something that could, or Jack Flaherty, the injuries. Just the injuries to starting pitching in general that the Cardinals have had to endure. what they thought, because they thought they had replaced Oscar Tavares with Jason Hayward. That's right. And two things happened. Number one, they a lot of teams could lose uh, their best hitter from 2015. That was Hayward. But how lucky did they get that Hayward didn't take their offer of $200 million over 10 years? The fact that Hayward said no and the fact that Albert said no are two of the best things that the Cardinals have ever done. They didn't have control of it. Right. <laughs> they lucked into it big time. Yeah. And by the way, here's one other one. They offered Jack Flaherty for Josh Donaldson and Toronto turned <sighs> him down. David Price too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, two hundred seven or no, one hundred eighty-seven million. Yeah, that that would have even though he and he's very talented from a financial standpoint, that would have been something that would really have limited right. the things that they were able to do. But think about some of the Cardinals pitchers who were supposed to be the guy that didn't work out: Carlos Martinez, uh, Michael Waka with the persisting mm-hmm. injuries. Jack Flaherty up to this point has not been everything the Cardinals have expected from him because he's been dealing with injuries. We certainly hope that he comes back healthy and you get to see that come to fruition. But again, Marco Gonzalez. Marco Gonzalez. There's there's so many that you could throw into the mix of if this X would have happened to how many other organizations they would be up you know what without a paddle yeah, and the, the con- cardinals have endured the consistency the 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 that's a perfect word for it the, the ability to endure is numbing that the cardinals can run into all this without the 300 million dollar payroll and still be as competitive as they are so mo we were just joking we know you're listening thanks mo we appreciate you Next up, the Cardinals fall to uh, the Rays last night. But is it the manager's fault that he didn't have Genesis Cabrera in the game? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. We always appreciate your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. I really like this one. Mozilak has cost the Cardinals at least three World Series hmm. hiring Matheny. At least three. Over the course of the decade. Well, Mike Matheny helped get them there, mm-hmm. but I would say that he might have been a big contributing factor to at least one World Series loss. I don't know about three. So since Matheny was hired, which teams have won three World Series? Let's see. The uh, Giants won two. How many did the Red Sox win during that time? They won uh, a two. They two? won in 2013 yeah. okay. and 18. So... You, I don't know that the Cardinals would have gone three. What seasons, I wonder if this person, obviously 2013, um, 
was it 2012 you're assuming they should have won then as well? But then how could you blame Mosellock for that? That was uh, essentially a World Series team, right? No, Matheny, they're saying, oh, by hiring Matheny. By hiring Matheny? Yeah, so 2013, okay, fine, I'll give you that one because of pitching to Poppy. Yeah, but what, 2012, you're going to blame him for that one? 2012, where Carpenter got hurt and never pitched again after that season. Hmm. Yeah, I, also, wasn't that an even year against the Giants? Yeah, it was. You can't, you can't beat Destiny. Travis so, Ishikawa, maybe by the way, I'll give you that one. Another yeah. Mo problem yeah. is that the Cardinals lost last night to Tampa Bay. That's a Mo problem? Food. Yeah. Okay. Because they should have had more relievers, apparently. I have a crack in my windshield. Is that a Mo problem, Mo, too? Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Mo. Crack yep. in my windshield. Yep. Can I call my insurance company today? I appreciate you. So last night, after Dakota Hudson went seven strong innings, he allowed only one run. The Cardinals had Giovanni Gallegos available. He threw 12 pitches, and Ryan Helsley pitch to the ninth, he threw 11 because both of those pitchers had thrown between 30 and 45 on Saturday night. There was no availability at all for Hennessy's Cabrera, who threw 57 pitches on Sunday. So it was Drew Verhagen to pitch for the Cardinals with a 2-1 lead in the bottom of the 10th inning. Oliver Marmol, one went wrong. You walk anybody, you're asking for trouble. But um, he still was able to make pitches. Um, let Phillips bunt it there, got that pop-up in the infield, and then just let that pitch up. Um, kid got a hold of it. He throws that same pitch on and under. Uh, we're shaking hands, and this looks a little different. So you got to still look at a lot of the positive things we did today. There are going to be instances where you probably have your fourth choice as closer. If Jordan Hicks is there, your fifth choice as closer in Chris Vanderha. Uh, Drew Verhagen. Drew Verhagen. Yeah. Yeah. When you have your fifth choice as closer in the game because of extenuating circumstances, that is going to happen. The fact, Michelle, that they were able to get within a pitch of winning the game, I think, is a bigger upset than the backup shortstop for Tampa hitting a three-run homer. Thanks to Nolan Arnato and yeah, an right. all-time highlight real play that if you didn't get a chance to watch the game last night, you definitely need to go check out with the with the Jeter jump to third. It was incredible. But after Nolan Arnato makes a play like that, you've got to win that game. And I know, as you said, extenuating circumstances, but also... Drew Verhagen is a professional. He's put in that position to execute. Even if he's your fourth or fifth choice, he's still someone that you employ to get his job done in that moment. But there's a reason that guys are the last man in the bullpen or Bruce Suter. You you can't count on Drew Verhagen being as good as Bruce Suter was. Even though he's a professional, he's just not as good as the other guys. That is true, but he's still somebody that you're going to have to bring into a game at some point that you expect to execute. And as Ollie said, you you can't leave that ball up. If if he gets it down a little bit more, we're talking about a completely different outcome. That's why we still don't know his name. Well, Well, you do. Yeah. That's why I I still don't know his name. No, you know it. You just want to be shady, and that's fine. I'll allow it. Okay. Now, what about Gallegos and Helsley only getting one inning each? Uh, Yeah, Gio and Helsley had one inning today. Yeah, especially after the workload with two days off. And that was Saturday, so they wanted to give them Sunday and Monday and then Tuesday off, and those two will be available today. But Gallegos... Cabrera still will not be available today after throwing 57 pitches, 58 pitches on Sunday. So the Cardinals fall. Hey, that's one of the games you're going to lose. You're going to win 60. You're going to lose 60. That's one of the games you're going to lose because you didn't have all your guys ready to go. But after that effort from Dakota Hudson, that shouldn't be a game you lose. Your your offense should do a little bit more from a run support perspective to give Dakota Hudson... Uh, after after what he gives you, you should you're but in a the, position to win that game. The other team's trying to win too. That's the issue that the Cardinals run into is that 
they they wish they were playing a minor league team, but they aren't. They're playing major a major a good major league team. True, but we you can point to a lot of different reasons why they lost the yeah. game. Yeah, we're always going to look at the last pitch because that's the exclamation point as to why they lost, but. Also, Dakota Hudson did his job. He, he absolutely did. And there's a lot more you can do from an offensive standpoint. Yeah. And I think more times than not, they will. But not last night. And so they fell fall by a score of 4-2 to two in extra innings. And they'll try to beat Corey Kluber tonight. And we have we had Kevin Ibach on the show. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of concerned that he's yeah, giving too. the Rays, or we've given the Rays, the character on Smallman Bump. No doubt. Next up on 101 ESPN, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. Adam Wainwright coming up at the bottom of the hour. It'll be Wednesdays with Wayno, but right now... You're killing me, Smalls! Randy, the Cleveland Browns gave Deshaun Watson a five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed contract to be their quarterback. In the press conference, where everyone generally looked pretty uncomfortable, they insisted that they were comfortable in bringing Deshaun Watson in to be their franchise quarterback. They said they had done their due diligence, that they had done their reporting, and that they felt comfortable believing him when he said he had never done anything inappropriate with massage therapists that he had hired despite the fact that there were at the time 22 civil cases pending against him. Well, now the New York Times came out yesterday with another bombshell report in the Deshaun Watson situation that revealed that he booked appointments with at least 66 massage therapists outside of the Texans organization over a 17-month period. That's from fall of 2019 through spring of 2021. And that's in complete contradiction to what Watson has claimed publicly over and over again that he hired only 40 massage therapists during his five NFL seasons. So he said 40 during five seasons. The New York Times has documentation that he actually booked 66 over a 17-month period. And you wonder what the thought process was. My guess is that most people in their lifetime don't get massages from 66 different people or 33 different people because generally, if you have a massage therapist that you're comfortable with, you stick with that person. Why somebody would want to get massages from 66 different people unless he had an ulterior motive is beyond me. Or why someone would seek out these services when you have in-house massage therapists that are paid by your employer to handle specific injuries and or your athletic needs. And Ray, he reached out to these women on Instagram and the New York Times. If you haven't read the piece, I highly suggest it because they got a hold of the depositions and spoke to a lot of the women, including women, by the way, who are not suing Deshaun Watson that have recounted their stories. And all of the situations are the exact same. The way he reached out to them on Instagram, the way that he started the massage and he would then ask for sexual contact from them and how they were afraid or uncomfortable during these encounters. Here's one of the examples of the deposition from Deshaun Watson asking about these massage therapists that he had hired through Instagram. They asked Deshaun, did you even ask her 
referring to the massage therapist, what her experience level was. No, sir, that wasn't a priority. Right, you didn't care, did you? Deshaun, that wasn't a priority. I just wanted a massage. You didn't care what her skill level was, correct? That wasn't a priority. Following up, you didn't care whether she was properly trained. That wasn't my priority, sir. Deshaun Watson, never caring if he's getting actual treatment for any injuries, reaching out to some women who weren't actually trained and or licensed to be professional massage therapists. So doesn't that raise raise some red flags for you? A lot of red flags. And it starts with the fact that if I'm a franchise that's employing this guy, aside from the 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 heinous acts that he's alleged to have committed the fact that he isn't using us our franchise and our employees to get his injuries alleviated is really bothersome that he doesn't care about the quality of the massage that he's getting well then why is he going there what what again what is his motive in accessing and utilizing these massage therapists if the if the quality of the services they provide isn't a priority for him all of these women as i mentioned have basically the same story 66 now 66 appointments that he has made yes during that that span which i've done the math that's about one every seven days that you're searching instagram Mm -hmm. trying to find massage therapists again when you have it readily available to you through trained professionals through your workplace That's important. But they all say that the routine was the same. And a lot of people out there are saying, this is just a money grab. These women are suing him for money. Well, how many people in this piece have not sued Deshaun Watson, Mm -hmm. but say they had frightening experiences with him? Here's a quote from the piece from the Times. Another woman who spoke to the New York Times, a physical therapist who did not sue Watson, again, did not sue him, says he initiated sexual contact in all three of their appointments. Well, that was a mistake on her part, too to have a second and a third appointment, but that's ridiculous. And there's no way, uh, let me put it this way, Cleveland, Browns, there's the face of your franchise. And there's a couple tentacles here that I want to get to. Number one in the story, Bombshell revealed that the Houston Texans provide Deshaun Watson with a membership to a hotel where a lot of these massages were taking place. He would go to residents of these women. He would go to hotels and make these arrangements. They weren't even at licensed massage parlors or facilities. And they also provided him with an NDA that he later used in these appointments. After a woman reached out to Deshaun when he put her in an uncomfortable situation, she said, I could really expose you. I could really let the world know who you are. He already did it for himself. Oh, man, Randy. But you're right. He did many times. And then he went to the Houston Texans. And what did they do? Instead of saying, what are you doing? We need to figure out how to make sure you're not going to do this to women anymore. They provided him with an NDA. And the Cleveland Browns said that they had done their due diligence on this situation. If you believe for one second that they don't have the same information that the New York Times had dug up, I think you're a little naive. These are entities with all of the resources in the world. They have people who are former FBI, a lot of people in law enforcement that they employ. They are aware of probably most of these circumstances. And Freddie Coleman of ESPN spoke about this, and they say that the Browns and Texans are culpable in this. If you're the Houston Texans, how are you complicit in this, allegedly, when it comes to Deshaun Watson, that you allowed this to go on with 66 women in a 17-month period? And if you're the Cleveland Browns and you had any inkling about this and mm. then you still signed him a $200-plus million guaranteed contract, yeah. hoping that it'll go away, you're right. 
people want their NFL on Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays. They don't want real life getting in the way of the National Football League. But that doesn't mean you're blind to what potentially went on with a dude that many people thought could be one of your faces of the league at that position when it comes to Sean Watson, the quarterback. The, the fact that he got the $230 million guaranteed is the most stunning part of this for me. And it just proves again that the NFL only cares about one thing, and that is they, they're prioritizing the influx of cash because of a player playing for a franchise. And I think that Freddie's 100% right. The Browns thought this would just go away, and it's not going away. It's not going away. And, you know, as a woman, Randy, it's so infuriating for me to even have to talk about this situation because after the Me Too movement happened and women were very brave and came forward and really exposed a lot of these men in power and said, this is not going to happen ever again. Mm -hmm. We are not going to endure this. We're not going to remain silent. And society as a collective said, you're right. This is wrong. This should never happen again. We don't care if it's Harvey Weinstein who runs a big production company. We don't care if it's an actor who's very celebrated and talented at his craft. We're not going to let men get away with this disgusting behavior anymore. Unless he's a quarterback and he can make your team better. How many women will it take? 22 was not enough. 24 is not enough. 66, what is the number that it will take for people to realize that this guy has predatory behavior and should not only not be celebrated, he should face severe consequences for his actions? Let me make one other quick point of my own here. That is, when you look around NFL ownership, you have Stan Kroenke, you have Shad Khan, you have... uh, Steve Biscotti, you have uh, Steve Tisch and uh, and Mara, John Mara. A lot of different men own franchises. The Browns franchise is, is titled under Jimmy and D. Haslam. His wife is as big a decision maker in that organization as he is, and she made this decision. And shame on her. Absolutely. Shame on her. And you know, for all the people out there who want to push this under the rug, you won't care unless it's your wife or Mm. your daughter or your sister or a woman you care about. And then I promise you, you would have a completely different thought process. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. I hope we never have to talk about this again. Me too. Next up, Adam Wainwright, Wednesdays with Waino on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Getting you inside the cards. Inside corner, and he struck him out. That strikeout number 1,000 at Bush Stadium for Adam Wainwright. It's Redbirds pitcher Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. Third time through the lineup, he strikes out seven, and he strikes out the side in the seventh inning. Presented by Chick-fil-A. Earn points on your next mobile order with the Chick-fil-A app. Friday night at Patios, Michelle and Brad Thompson and I had a great time with Adam Wainwright's Big League Impact Trivia Night, a big success, and it was a lot of fun, and Adam joins us now, as he does every Wednesday on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, Mr. Wainwright. How are you? Morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. So one of the questions that I was most proud of being able to answer (laughs) was about one of the first skyscrapers in St. Louis being the 10-story Wainwright building. Do you drive by that and say, hey, that's mine? (laughs) I actually get a lot of questions about that. Like, hey, was that like your great-grandfather that built that building? Like, I don't think so. (laughs) You should claim it, though. Why not? 
Yeah, I could claim it. I could claim it. <laughs> though, I had one embarrassing moment at the trivia night the other day. Uh, I was one of the ones that read the questions, you know, on, on some of the questions. And, and I read the question about Dizzy and, and Dazzy, what was their real names? And uh, the Dean brothers. And I had the, I read the answer and everything. But then, you know, two weeks later, I don't know the answer. <laughs> oh no you missed it with your group we didn't even know that adam <laughs> yeah we missed that one oh, we, we didn't know that no with the group back in the private room that's, that's what i'm funny. saying that's Wayne great. was with the group and he didn't know that. well thank you for your transparency <laughs> we appreciate you being so honest um and congratulations on such a successful event you and the crew at big league impact are just top notch it was a wonderful night and hopefully we raised a lot of money for big league impact but i also wanted to congratulate you adam because you've done it you and yadier molina were part of perhaps the greatest advertisement that's ever been made a lot of people in st louis really loved the budweiser best bud commercial that you two were in tell us about what it was like making that man that is like i mean you know i'm probably a a lot of bias but i think that's one of the best ads i've ever seen they did such a good job on that i mean that was a and it was a fun time filming it too because you know just hanging with yachty and and you know that they uh for the one scene where you see us laughing um the you know we're, we're doing these kind of still shots or whatever and then he's like all right hey uh we're going to start filming. Um, if you could just, uh, you know, laugh. And I'm like, just, you just want us to start laughing? And he's like, yeah, start, just start laughing. And I'm like, well, I mean, we're supposed to be talking, right? And I was, and he was like, yeah. And I, so I'm like, well, so I got to tr- try to figure out a way to make Yachty laugh. And he's like, yeah, or you can just fake it. And I'm like, yeah, if we fake it, it's going to look, it's not going to look right. You know, so. I started asking Yachty what his favorite stuff is. And I said, what's your favorite animal? And he says, a tiger. And then right before they go to that shot, I go, really? I said, I had you for more like a bunny rabbit guy. And he, <laughs> he started laughing like a real laugh. And they've got that on film. That's what you see on the TV right there. <laughs> it, was a, it, was a good, it was a good time hanging out with Yacht and, and the crew. The crew did a great job. And, and uh, made us look good and you know we're super professional but that that commercial is really awesome i'm super that's cool it's yeah, great it's great okay well you and yadi best bud 17 seasons so we wanted to give you a little best friend quiz to see how well you truly do know yadi all right okay question number one when is yadi or molina's birthday <laughs> did i stump you already why <laughs> 14th? It's July 13th. Very close. Good. Very close. But you know what, Adam? You might want to put that one in your phone because it's coming up. So make sure that you know it. Okay. I knew it was mid. I knew it was like right there in that mid-July day. Okay. Now the next couple, we want you to just tell us about your best friend. So is Yachty a call, text, or FaceTime guy? Oh, um, you know, he's probably more. I mean, you can. You can get a hold of him better texting sometimes, but he's a, he's very much a FaceTime guy. I love that. I would not have taken Yadier Molina for a FaceTime guy. That's surprising. Okay, next one. What is Yadi's biggest pet peeve? Shaking him off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I buy that one. Yeah. yeah, I buy that one. And finally, if Yadi was a cocktail or a drink, what would he be? 
Oh, there ain't no doubt about it. Johnny Walker, blue scotch. <laughs> there we go. Great. So we've learned a little bit about Yachty this morning. That's great. Adam Wainwright with us on 101 ESPN. Wait, I want to ask you about your pitching philosophy. I, I was watching uh, Ron Darling the other night on MLB Network, and he was talking about how if, if he had two out and he would see Mike Schmidt, who was the number three hitter for the Phillies in the first inning, if there wasn't anybody on, he would hold something back because he knew he was going to see Schmidt later in the game and wanted to have some some pitches in the holster for him. Do you ever do that? If you get the first two guys, do you play it differently with a number three hitter if there's nobody on base because you're going to see a guy later? Nope, I don't. I've, uh, I have uh, tried that in the past and what ends up happening is when I when I try to hold back stuff for later, I end up not pitching later. You know <laughs> what I mean? I, I got to get those guys out right away, and then worry about the next at bat the next time we get there. But you know, when you have when you have multiple ways of getting people out, and you can make pitches to different quadrants and change speeds, then you can always add a different wrinkle into the, even the same stuff that you you know got them out with before. What do you think of the philosophy, and Tampa Bay most famously utilized this philosophy in the World Series a few years ago, of not allowing a pitcher to see a lineup the third time through? Well, it depends on the guy. Um, I mean, there's some guys that are that are definitely one or two times through guys, seemingly, that, you know, just, uh, I don't know if that's just a, a thing where the hitter gets kind of used to their stuff or, you know, they see them a couple times and then, you know, they're not fooled anymore, but... Um, you know, it's it's not something you can cookie cut every pitcher with. You know, you just can't you can't say I'm not going to allow any of my pitchers to go through the, the lineup three times. You you just can't do it. There's there's days where we saw it. You know, you, you saw it with Snell in the postseason a couple of years back. He had like 60 pitches through six innings. They took him out. The bullpen blows it uh, in the postseason. And 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 who knows? He might have gone out there and blown it too. But on any given day, any pitcher can go nine innings. On any given day, any pitcher can beat any other lineup, and that's just a fact. You know, a stinking A-ball pitcher or high school pitcher on any given day has the ability to go out and do crazy things against the other team. You know um, what's fun? It but is- there's, some guys, there's some guys who get better as they go. There just is. And there's some, there's some guys who, when given the, the rope uh, to, to face that, line up a third time through a couple times, you know, in a row, they start getting some serious mojo about it. And they, you know, they, they get better as they go. You just can't cookie cut it. It's just a, it's just a ridiculous idea to think you can. I think it's really fun to watch a guy blossom. Like we're seeing with Dakota Hudson, he's becoming so much more efficient. His tempo is so much better. How much fun is it for you? Because you're there on ground zero and you've watched him since day one. Yeah, it's really fun. We're watching Dakota get back to what he used to do. Um, he got into a habit of working really, really slow, and his delivery was actually really slow, and runners were stealing bases on him. Now if you see his tempo, like you said, and but you see the speed of his delivery, you know, he was – he was in the, in the big leagues. If you're like 1.3 seconds or below, it's really hard for a runner to steal second. He was like one five, one six. 1-7 even a couple times, and guys were just taking bases left and right. Now he's back into that 1-3 area, and it helps him with his with his delivery, too, with the timing of it. 
the, the delivery, all the delivery is, is a big timing mechanism. And if you're not timed up just right, you're going to be wild. That's why we saw him walking, guys. That's why we saw him, you know, falling into those really deep counts over and over again and working slow and having runners on all the time. And, and that's not how Dakota pitches. Dakota used to pitch. He used to work fast. Uh, he used to get those ground balls, keep his defense on, the, on their toes. And that's what we're seeing now. And, and, you know, the crazy thing about Dakota is when he throws the ball over the plate, in the strike zone, hitters are hitting like 100 on. So that's what I was a part of that conversation when Mike Maddox pulled him aside and like, listen, just throw the ball over the plate. And he's like, I'm trying. And then, so then we got a timing delivery, you know, and so we started thinking about, all right, throw a pitch with go, go one, one on this delivery. And then, so he would throw it and, you know, and then he would go, all right, go one seven like you've been doing. And, and the one one was way better. You know, it was just, it was crisper. It came out corner, like on the corner better. It came out fast and low at the knees. When Dakota's at the knees and over the plate, good luck trying to hit anything hard. Adam, when Mike Maddox comes out to the mound, we see the claw, we see the pat. When you're a part of that conversation, do you do any sort of pitching coach pat or, um, you know, a physical thing that you do? No, not at all. That's very much a bad dog thing that he's been grandfathered into. But most of the time, you don't want people touching you. <laughs> That's probably and, a good point. Uh, yeah, he gets away with it because it's his his skit. So, you know, you let it roll. <laughs> totally. It's part of the process. Uh, speaking of fun to watch, you said Dakota Hudson is fun to watch. Nolan Arnato with just an unbelievable defensive play last night. The Jeter jump, the throw to third. He's incredible. And I know you get to see him every day. You're aware of how good he is. But when he makes a play like that, are you even in awe of him as you watch him? Absolutely. If there had been a camera on me last night, I think I my jaw dropped and I think I said something like, oh my goodness. You know, because you just don't even see another third baseman attempt that play. You know, it's just such a risky play. If you don't get it out there, you're really hosed. But it's also such an enormous play if you do get the out. Now you just got runners on, on second instead of second and third, or first and second instead of bases loaded, or second and third, and, and one out. And that run's probably going to score. You know, it's going to have a much greater chance to score anyways. And, and uh, getting that out at third... You, you thought, okay, we're going to win this game now. You know, this this game is is uh, is is ours for the taking. And you know, unfortunately, we didn't win. But uh, most of the time, we're going to win that game with that play being made like that. And I would think, as a player, you have to appreciate the fact that Ali Marmol says, "I'm not going to use up Helsley and Gallegos by throwing those guys more pitches now because of the way I used him over the weekend. I'm not going to abuse a Henesis Cabrera." And Tony always used to say, "Sometimes you do your team to protect guys for August and September. You need to take a hit in in May or June, and you just can't use guys up right now, can you?" You can't. You can't. And 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 I think they would have been ready and they would have taken that ball, um, but. Man, Helsley went, what, two and two-thirds the other day, and Cabrera went four innings, and Gio went two or three innings, and and uh, and they've, they've had a lot of appearances, too. It's not like, you know, they've they've just been pitching once a week. So there, it's every now and then you got to get those last three with somebody else in your bullpen. And Drew Verhagen is, is very, very, very talented. He's definitely got the talent to close that game out. He just made one bad pitch, and the guy made a good swing on it. Um, but uh, he was looking sharp until then. Um, but every now and then, you got to get those last three with somebody else because we need them 
closing up games down the stretch, getting those big outs for us in September and October also, not just here in June. Hey, Adam, were you traveling with the club in the playoffs in 05 when Albert hit the home run in Houston? Uh, what a horrible question to ask me. <laughs> I, was the, uh, I was the only player that got sent down. Oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> no. Yeah, but, but that's one of the turning points of my career. That's, that's a moment that I might write about one day that, uh, that helped spur on my, my change of mindset and, and change of, of heart on how I needed to pitch and how I needed to prepare. And without being sent down right there and missing that dramatic home run, I don't know if I'd be who I am today. So wow. I appreciate it now looking back. The, the reason that I asked is because there was a camera on Andy Pettit when Albert hit that home run. Do you remember? You could read his lips saying, oh, my God, with, uh, yeah, with that home run. That. Oh my God. I can see him saying that right now. It, it was remarkable. And you always yeah. like to play great golf. Friend. Go ahead, Adam. Andy's a great friend, and and, uh, and Andy's never said a cuss word in his life. I don't know if anybody knows that, but um, wow. that's, like, that's like his – intense as he gets but that was that was a dramatic home run and you know when that happened i know they ended up winning game six but when that happens um you just think we got this now and the other team's like oh crap you know so yeah uh did you you guys don't get much of a chance to travel to tampa did you find uh, the best golf courses in in tampa did you hit one we did. We went out to Innisbrook, um, where they played the Valspar Championship. Um, it was a, a great track, uh, hot. In Florida golf in June, July, and August, the courses are never in the condition uh, that they that they are in like spring and fall. So, it wasn't the best condition, um, but you could tell it was a really cool track, and it's got a lot of great history there. Where Arnold Palmer pictures on the wall playing in those tournaments there and stuff. So. Uh, it was a it was a legendary track. We were glad to get out there and play. I played terrible though. I played absolutely. My golf game stinks right now. So we'll get it going. I guarantee though that uh, the the three hundred yard drive is going to be there Sunday night for swinging for impact over at Top Golf in Chesterfield. Oh yeah, that's one thing you can count on. Golf game might stink. Uh, I might be a little incons- inconsistent with my irons and putting right now, but one thing you can always count on is that I'm going to hit it far. You know, it's going to be there. So um, I'm going to bring that to the game for sure, to the table for, for Top Golf on the 12th. I'm hoping a lot of people show up. we got a lot of teammates, and I'm, I'm recruiting a few more guys today. We should have 15 or 16 guys out there, and, and uh, some former cards, too, are going to be surprising uh, people that are going to be there, and we're going to have a good time. But uh, bring your A game, but we're going to go out there and raise a lot of money for for people in need, and and uh, that's the main goal of Big League Impact. But we're going to do it at Top Golf. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a great time. Michelle and I will be there on Sunday night. You can get details at bigleagueimpact.org or 101espn.com. And I, I do not. I'm, I'm old, Adam. I, I don't hit at 300. But you probably have a smooth short game and that little bunt down the middle, little little baby fade with that smooth short game and and that's what i appreciate appreciate about you randy you you find ways to get it done there's nothing like old man golf adam (laughs) old man golf i hear you i'll be there one day i'll be there one day but my my goal is to to be the 85 year old still out driving the 45 year old that's my goal Hey, let me tell you one quick thing before you go. Jim Cott, former Cardinal going into the Hall of Fame this year, his wife passed away at the age of about 70. He and his wife played every single day down in Florida. She was left, uh, he's left-handed, she was right-handed. 
between the ages of 71 and 75, Cott got his right-handed game to the point where on her what would have been her 75th birthday, he played two balls, he shot 75 left and 75 right. He's amazing. What does he have, 16 gold gloves, too? Yeah, that's right. I mean, what took him so long to get into the Hall of Fame? He's got like 260 wins with 16 gold gloves. My goodness, get him in there. Yeah, thank goodness that he's going in because he's totally deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Adam? Uh, that is uh, 75 both sides, though, is one of the most impressive things I've heard because uh, if you ever see my left-handed golf swing, it's one of the most pathetic things you could ever see in your entire life. It's really sad. Yeah, but my right-handed. I, I have enough trouble with uh, with my right side. I can't hit left-handed, too. But he did it on his 75th birthday, too, which is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Hey, have a good time down in Florida. We'll see you guys when you get back home and looking forward to Sunday night with Swinging for Impact. Thanks for having me on, Randy Michelle. Talk to you all later. You bet. See you later. That is the great Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. And Wednesdays with Wayno means another donation to Big League Impact from our friends at Chick-fil-A. Stop by on Wednesdays between 2 and 4 for a refreshing SunJoy drink. And a portion of sales go towards Adam's work and the mission of Big League Impact. We're going to head down the stretch with what's on tap next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle, a couple of things. Number one, if you're looking for a great part-time job, the Cardinals are hiring for more than uh, 50 years. Delaware North Sports Service has been the Cardinals concessionaire, and they have a job fair today. You can earn $20 to $30 per hour after tips as a concessionaire at the ballpark. A hiring event today from 2 to 6 p.m. at Bush Stadium, 405 South Broadway, just to the left of gate number 6. For more information, go to cardinals.com slash work at Bush. That would be fun. And also, Michelle, a $7 ticket offer from the Cardinals and Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. Various seating categories, $17 field box seats to watch the Cardinals take on the Pirates June 13th through 15th. Go to cardinals.com slash 7 for the $7 tickets. So if six is a serious number, what is seven? Seven is serious, sir. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Thank you. Uh, by the way, the, when people talk about, well, I can't afford to take my family of four to a game, that's $28 if you get tickets. You can take a cooler. You're, the, the coolers are back at the ballpark. Just go to the Cardinals website, cardinals.com, and you can find out about the size of coolers. You can literally take your dinner with drinks into a game. Parking is 20 bucks, so maybe what, 50 bucks to go to a game if you want to do it that way, to be entertained by Cardinal Baseball. Yeah, you could always eat at home. There's a lot of different ways that you could uh, cut corners financially, but the Cardinals always providing affordable ticket uh, opportunities like this, and now's a good time to go see them whenever they're back in town. This is an exciting team to watch. At least four Hall of Famers that you get the opportunity to see, and Hall of Famer in our heart, Adam Wainwright. And we were talking during the break. We're going to get into more detail with Adam in a future interview with him about why being sent down in 05 during the playoffs was such a big deal for him. He said he wants to write about that one yeah. day. That's how impactful it was for him. And he said he might not be here today, might be not be the, the person or the pitcher that he is today had that not happened. And you look at Adam Wainwright's career, and there's been a lot of obstacles that he's had to overcome. He's endured a lot. But for him to say that, that that was kind of the crossroads for him, I definitely want to dig in deeper to that moment. And the reason that I asked the question is because he said he said, oh, my God, last night when Arenado made the play. Yes. And uh, he... Who did he say never cussed? 
Um, Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit. Thank you. Right off the tip yeah. of my tongue. The fact that Andy Pettit has never cussed. If you were a Impressive. teammate, wouldn't you try to get him to cuss all the time? Yeah, definitely. I would play songs the where there are swear words, and I would see if he would sing along. Oh, yeah. yeah no we're trying to get him cuss yeah. every day. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Uh, Michelle, this has been fun. It has, Randy, as always. I'll see you tomorrow. Happy hump day. We've got a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up for all of us. Thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.